awesome. True, true story. Welcome back to the Keaton Lake Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Callum and I are genuinely on our very first ever road trip for Keen the Lake. Ooh, ooh, ooh. up here in the great state of Wisconsin. Say hello, Callum. Hello. Road trip. Love it. Wilson, you're missing out. Ooh, shots fired already. So early yeah, on in like, the podcast. I get it in a minute early, you know. <laughs> um, I will introduce our guests who have been gracious enough to host us the entire morning up here at Dancing Goat Distillery, Nick and Bo. Thanks for having us. Or should I say Brady and Bo? You can call me Brady because we're friends, but nope. if All you're right. coming here for business, you better call me Nicholas. Damn straight. <laughs> Bo, can I call you Bo? Jake, you may call me Bo. Oh, Thanks beautiful, Bo. beautiful. Well, I don't even know where to start this podcast off because we recorded about four podcasts over the five hours we've been here or so. Yeah, I think I think the big thing is just going to be... Your mic's limp. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common theme in my life. Um, we're all naked, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we're not on camera today. No, but um, I think the big thing is just going to be getting another or another listen through of, of your guys story yeah i think that's been the most impressive thing for me and like thanks so much for having us guys it's it's huge like this has been a great we walked in the door and already felt like wow these guys want us to be here like this is fun and wasn't expecting that for for the warm welcome you know yeah you never know mike catfished yeah, but we just want to say thanks for coming, but we really don't like you guys. Mm. You guys have to leave now. Well, just um, leave your equipment. Yeah, we'll film the horrible, cast. Horrible thing, you know, I have, I, know. So, I have so many photos of what's happened here, so I can take this technology and wisdom and make my own distillery now. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, you can. You can. Can I come work for you? I'm gonna yeah, need a job. Absolutely. <laughs> Best of luck to you, Jake. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've, we're recording about two o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, and we've been here since nine o'clock in the morning, and it's been uh, quite an awesome experience. I we just left your Rick House uh, five. Star stories five stories yeah which um i cannot believe any craft distillery in the united states has that it's so impressive to go with so many other things that are impressive at this whole place it's really unbelievable it, it really it this whole place is really surreal for me and i think for Bo too and, and everyone else that works here but when you're in that rick house rolling a barrel it, it hits you that oh my god we're, we're really doing something special here mm -hmm. and it what a privilege and opportunity and just the the opportunity from the reception of the people that want to support us and, and give us demand to have that Rick House, it, it's humbling and it's amazing. Well, before everything gets into the Rick House, obviously it's a process and your whole journey has been a process as we've learned over the last uh, five hours or so, but what brought you into distilling? Um, my daddy brought me into distilling. Um, so I got a phone call from my dad and uh, he said, you're out of the will. Yeah, he said, you're done. You're done. Get out. Um, he said, sorry, you're not mine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the mailman, that blonde mailman. <laughs> you're not as tall yeah, as me, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he uh, he called me and he, he said, um, I want to build a distillery for your grandfather. And I said to him, I was like, well, why doesn't grandfather build it with you? You know, um, that's not what I actually said. I said, I said. Fuck yeah. yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. Oh, um, yeah. That has been a theme of this morning uh, is the phrase, fuck yeah. So we've been learning about all the fuck yeahs that have been going on here, which we love. It's, it's just exuberance and living in the moment and being and having gratitude for what we have and the opportunities we have. Mm. And it, it just possesses you, that, that need to just say, fuck yeah. It, it, it courses through your bones here. And that's, that's really what we have embraced and really what, kind of what we perpetuate at the Dancing Goat. I can't read that far, Callum. This is the bottom of their limo ride. Oh. And the alcohol by volume is fuck yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Fantastic. <laughs> and the batch is oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a little Wisconsin throw out. You're out in the ponds fishing. You hear somebody, oh yeah. And you know they just caught a walleye for sure. 
Not a muskie? No, it depends on the lake you're in, you know. Oh not not on the pond here in Cambridge. No. Actually, you know, it's a fun fact about uh, Lake Ripley here in Cambridge is the state record for bass here. Here. Lake Ripley in Cambridge, state record. You know what they say about state records in fishing, though, right? No. They're all made up. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all made up. They're all really old, and they're all made up. It's yeah. like, how did you catch a largemouth bass there? Where they don't have any. No. Yeah, no photos. You <laughs> no know, proof. Right? It's like, what kind of ruler were you using for that, man? <laughs> <laughs> what about your dick? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, we now. Did it, we did it. <laughs> That's why everybody has to fight the sticks. Uh, yeah, there you go. Definitely. There well, you, you go. No, I mean, Brady, if I may. Please may, do. May I? Um, your pedigree, it's built for making whiskey, it seems like, after hanging out with you all day and learning about your background. I'd love for you to share it with everybody. Yeah, my, uh, my father, Thomas Moss, uh, has been in the liquor industry for decades. Um, he spent a lot of time at Jim Beam. Uh, I think that's where most people would recognize him from. Uh, he was pivotal in developing a lot of their small batch whiskeys early uh, from the marketing standpoint. And then also a little brand called DeKuyper Pucker um, was a big one that he did a lot of work on as well. Um, he left that company to start uh, his own brand called Rumchata, which we've been working on as a family for the last 11, 12 years now. Um, and a huge part of that story is my grandfather, Dwayne. So Dwayne Moss, um, chemical engineer, he got out of the Korean War, got a degree, and then uh, he started selling uh, petrochemicals and solvents for Shell. And then soon he realized that he didn't want to sell fuel, he wanted to sell beverage ethanol hmm. and then so he started working in solvents and so he started working for at barton um i think it was in the 60s and he's worked pretty much everywhere hmm. um he's spent a lot of time up in alberta he worked down at barton he's done consulting for pretty much everybody uh my grandfather was really known in the 60s and 70s as the man if you need something in china talk to Dwayne. um <laughs> and I remember when he passed away, which is, was fairly recently, a couple years ago, a bunch of stories shook through the woodwork from, I mean, people you wouldn't even believe, like like Max Shapiro and, and Donnie Lux and, and these people, these titans of industry, contacting my father, who they all have loose relationships with, and, yeah. and just expressing their sorrow. Respect, yeah, and just, and, yeah. And, and, and just sharing memories, you know, of just what my grandfather did for them um, at times to help them out. Um, but a big part of our story was, you know, we went to my grandfather, or I went to my grandfather at our bottling plant in Pewaukee, and I said to him, you know, hey, me and, me and your son want to build a distillery. I'm thinking, you know, one big pot to strip on and one little pot to finish on. What do you think? And he looks at me, he goes, you idiots are never going to make any money without a fucking column. <laughs> and, and I thought I'd prove him wrong for a while, but then now we own, what, we got two here now and we got one more on the way. So I guess he was right. But um, for us, it was never about making money. This mm. was more about putting money in a barrel and lighting it on fire. No, I'm kidding. It was, it's more about honoring the memory of my grandfather and everything that he did. And so um, after he passed, he passed very soon. He worked until the day he died. Mm. Um, well, he worked until the day he, he was hospitalized. Uh, he got a virus. He was sourcing glass in China, got a virus in his spine, um, similar to, to uh, meningitis, similar to, but, mm. very, but they couldn't really identify it. And then he was pretty much bedridden. He got MRSA, and then he was bedridden the rest of his life because um, he couldn't get rid of the MRSA. Um, and so right before he died, we had a conversation, and I told him I was really proud of him because um, he, he died with his boots on. And he mm. looked at me, and he said, you will too. Mm. And I really that's something I've really carried. I, I'm going to die in this place. I'm going to be buried here. His ashes are scattered all over this property. They're scattered all over the Rick House. He's been in the pores of the concretes that we've gone along. Mm. And what's really funny is I did that with all the ash that I had, but my daddy did it too, and we didn't know about it. Oh, and really? so my dad still has like a little can of it. And anytime we pour new concrete, my dad's always come along seeing if he can get any in there. And so we like to say the spirit of him still lives here, and it, it kind of guides us, and, and, and often it messes 
ghosts with us. You know, anytime something bad happens, we blame the ghost of Dwayne. Um, <laughs> but we like to say he's having fun with us. That's a beautiful um, sentiment. Yeah, oh, it's great. great. And then after he passed away and really couldn't help guide us anymore, we were kind of in a bind. Mm. And so like a lot of people in this situation, uh, we got some really great consultants. And um, uh, I used a guy out of Philly, uh, Robert Castle, who's, who's an awesome dude, um, really helped me get stuff up and running. We designed a pot still together, um, got the whole operation going and started. And then I reached out to uh, Dave Pickrell. Mm. And Pick was a guy who worked with my grandfather at Barton. Um, he started there when my grandfather was there. And actually, the way I got involved with Dave is I went and took a, a whiskey distilling masterclass through <laughs> ADI with them, which is a four-day workshop. And we're going through, and, and somebody's reading attendance, and Dave's just sitting there. And I'm just in awe looking at Dave Pickerel there, you know. And he's he's just sitting there, and it looks like he had uh, – if you know Dave, you know he probably had a few too many the night before. And he's sitting there, eyes all watery with that damn feather in his hat, and he's looking just around this room, and he's looking at me, and I got this dumbass long hair. And, I'm, and you, know, you can see I'm – I'm just all sixes and sevens in the eyes. I'm blown away by the whole fact that I'm in a distillery. I'm at a class with Dave Pickerel and these three other jokers that, you know, and uh, he looks at me when they say my name, he looks at me, he goes, Moss, Moss, who are you? And I go, I go, man, I'm like, I'm Nick Brady, baby. Like, What's up, baby? <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, no, 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 I wasn't saying fuck yeah. At this point, I'm still blown away by everything. Um, but he says to me, he's, he's going, "Who are you?" And I'm like, "Me." I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm Nick Brady, man. What's going on? You call me Brady, baby." And he double takes me. He goes, "Moss." He goes, "You don't you don't know any mosses in the industry." And I go, "Hey, as a matter of fact, I came out of a moss in the industry that came out of another moss in the industry. So what's going on?" And he goes. Dwayne? And I go, yeah, that's my grandfather. And he goes, shit, what are you doing here? And I go, oh, my, he's sick. He, he can't, you know, he goes, what are you doing here? You don't, you don't need to learn how to distill from me. Yeah, um, yeah and, and he goes, uh, and I tell him, I go, you know, my grandfather's not doing well. He's down. And he goes, oh, my God. And he, he kind of got a little emotional, and he gave me his card, and he wrote a number on the back of it. And he goes, you yeah, know, that's my cell. And he says, anytime, day or night, you call me, I'll help you figure this out. And so he wasn't actually an official consultant here, but he did a lot of, he, he, helped, he helped guide out. me in a lot of places. And then I actually, a couple of weeks before he died, he, he came to our distillery and we had a really emotional moment where we walked around the distillery together and we'd already walked with everybody else, but we walked together, just us two, right before he left. Um, cause you know, he was hopping to do black and lunches all over and they were heading out to the West coast. Obviously, you know, that's what, where that, that happened. Um, and he, uh. He says to me, he takes me under his arm and we're walking and he's looking around. And I mean, we're doing stuff like checking out conduit and looking at insulation and, and checking like glycol line placements. Like we're getting deep on like plant mechanic nerds, yeah. right? And he, he puts his arm around me and he looks at me and he goes, boy, your grandfather would be so proud of you. What a phenomenal investment. And it it tore me up, man. I was crying driving home the whole way home. I'm, I'm tearing up now just right. thinking about it. And Absolutely. it was it was wild to have him here. I mean, he blew our steam whistle. He did it all, and and it's just nuts that he's gone. It's like all these people that helped me do this, yeah. they keep disappearing. But every one of them leaves an impact, just like everyone leaves an impression on your life, like a footprint. And and he's somebody I carry everywhere with me. I carry Dwayne and I carry Dave everywhere. Um, and and that's really how we got the place up and running. And then uh, we really focused on the, the pot stills for a long time, mm -hmm. just trying to bang out some mash bills. I'd gone to MGP really early. My dad has a lot of connections in the industry, so I was able to get on there, in there on a different level with those guys, and we were able to use some special grains, some special yeast profiles. I was able to go in there for a little bit of training, too. I got, a, I got taken through MGP on a tour I don't think a lot of people have ever seen. Mm -hmm. MGP's a wild place, a 
wild place. I, mean, I think it's 17 stills when I was there, 15 stills. They probably added more. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of barrels all over the place. Their botanical, their botanical room, where it's a, it's a walk-in freezer, it's like stories high. There's botanicals everywhere. It's wild. Like, you never think of how amazing that place is. And that place really left an impact on me as well when I went there. But we, uh, we went there and got a lot of our own custom-made sourced uh, product and then came back here and tried to hammer out what our mash bills were going to be. And I started with theirs and we started kind of, I, I like to say walk it out or step it out. Yeah. And so when I talk about like stepping out of 95 rye, everyone wakes a 95 rye 5 malt, but like why wouldn't you use 5% corn? Why wouldn't you use 5% malt? Why wouldn't you use 5% brewer's malt? Why wouldn't you use pearl corn? Why wouldn't you use Hopi blue? All of those things, like, like when you start looking at corns, you start looking at those different colored corns. And a lot of them are just novelty at, at a really high percentage, but at a low percentage, they can come out nutty. They can come out spicy. They can come out sweet and neutral. They can come out sweet with, with character and creaminess. Yeah. And so once we started exploring in the little pot, all that 95 rye could do, we actually switched from our intended target of a 51 rye to a 95 rye for limo. And so we started blasting 95 rye. And then once we kind of got the mechanics of distillation, and I already knew how to move fluids from my time at Midwest Custom Bottling, which is my family's plant where we make all the rum chata at. But uh, once we got the hand of actually making the fluid, it was like, okay, so now let's upgrade, let's get that column. So we went to head frame, uh, I don't know if you guys know them. Um, shout out to John McKee, baby boy, you the man, kid. Uh, what up, John? But, uh, up, John? Um, but uh, went out there, picked up a still, the dude, the dude across the wall from me right now, Mikey Ryber, me and him went out there, Mike is the man too. Um, we went out there and picked up this still and uh, brought it back here. We put in the six pack that you guys saw, so the yeah. six 3,800 frame renters uh, and two cookers, and we started doing column distillation, which is a whole different beast, yeah. you know? Um, but we we really, I mean, I, I crack that whip. I love that. That head frame still is, woo! As, especially, I come from a, a, a tradition of moonshining. Um, you know, my granddaddy taught me how to make a still when I was young, and I, <laughs> and I, whipped, I cracked that whip for a while too before I even was in the industry, right. just when I was bartending. And so when I started cracking this whip, I, I, I just couldn't believe the things that you can do with it. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, yeah. in terms of, it's not a standard column. I mean, there's so much stuff you can do in there. You know, I can make gin on there continuously. We can, you can go from making whiskey on that thing, flick a button, hour, and then manage the, the process. Hour and a half later, when the second two columns are charged, you're making, making azeotrope. Mm -hmm. Same mash, same day. It's wild. It's, it's a really wild system, but it, it has limitations in terms of size. Yeah. And so as we've expanded and then, and then Desk Door came into play, we acquired Desk Door. That's when we got the other stripping column that I showed you guys that we're going to build in the garage. And then we also got what I call Didi, which is that, that hybrid pot out there right now, um, and uh, was learning how to make gin. And then gin became a really big driver on here because the column, I mean, we really, we know how to work that thing mm -hmm. and we've, we've heavily modified, like you can actually see that stilt out the top. We did that ourselves. That's actually more copper media in there. We've changed pumps on that. We've changed plates on that. We've ripped that thing apart. I've actually taken it down and taken the guts out. We've, we've had a lot of fun with that and made it really our own. Um, so then it was time to master the gin. Mm -hmm. And then while that was running, you know, cause we got that exactly where we wanted it. And then now it's time just because, we got to fill a Rick house, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, is we got a big old Vendome coming in. So we got an 18 inch Vendome with a doubler so that we can do single pass. And that, you know, a lot of people talk trash about column distillation, but at the end of the day, I'm running a column, I'm, and a lot of people are doing this, I'm running a column straight into a pot still. That's what a doubler is. So if you're going to talk like that's not a great whiskey, I mean, that's a double finished whiskey mm -hmm. in a single pass, running all day making just 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 pouring blessings to the world right yeah and so uh that's what we have coming next and that's gonna be the next uh, mountain to climb where does these ideas of 
combining all these stills come from? Oh, uh, my grandfather. My grandfather. So my grandfather was telling me, he goes, you know, you, you're never ever gonna make any money without a column, but people ain't gonna buy. I mean, people don't want to look at a column. People, people refuse. It's not as romantic. Yeah, it's not as romantic. And the depth, like I can make unbelievable light bodied spirits on my head frame, and then I can take a finished run, cut it down with some low lines. Like do a stripping run, cut it down with low lines, and then do a finishing run then on that and pot, blend those two together. Mm. And I get nice light bodied characteristics in terms of texture from the column distillate, but then I can get hardy, hardy, hardy rye flavors that don't match the texture. And so that the idea of being able to cross blend those, right? Blending column and pot distillates, or just, you know, rocking column distillates or pot distillates, that's something that was in my head. And then when we brought Mike in, he's somebody that really helped make that happen. Mm. And then that's part of the part of our story that you're gonna hear is is we had this idea and we had a lot of family experience and we have a legacy of doing this. And I had experience, you know, on a kitchen stove in a farm field in the woods, right? <laughs> but I found all these amazing people to help me yeah. make it here. But it doesn't just end in the production area. At the Dancing Goat, we're a small family of teams. And what the, my favorite thing about this place is everybody puts whiskey in a bottle. Whiskey doesn't get in a bottle without labels. It doesn't get in the in bottle without colas. It, you know, everybody puts it in the bottle. Yeah. So we were, I was saying this to Jake when we were leaving the Rickhouse. Like, it's so brilliant to see, you know, sometimes when you get to a stage in this industry where someone's been working in the industry for 30 years and you speak to them about whiskey or you speak to them about their distillery and it's more of a... Like they talk about their work and they enjoy their work still, but they don't have that like fiery passion anymore. Whereas like everybody that we've met in the last like five hours, every single person that's got anything to do with this distillery is speaking like it's a full on, it's like, you know, you've infected them with your passion, right? Like everybody's speaking with it like as a, as a massive passion point. Um, so I'm obviously you guys took us around earlier and we will talk about the expansion and everything a little bit, but you know, from my eyes, it's just it's it just amazing. It looks incredible. It's it's so much bigger inside than than what it looks from when we pulled up. Right. Uh, it looks it just like there's a there's always another room going backwards. <laughs> there's always another room that's full of barrels, right? There's always a room full of barrels. But one thing I was going to say as well is that we talked a little bit about the gin classes and all that sort of stuff. And what I love about your vision is that you know you started off in the woods with the with the, this little still on, on the kitchen stove. stack of pornos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> stack of pornos and a crate of beer. Uh, hot damn. Um, but no, also, like, you are, that was that was your beginnings, right? And obviously your grandfather passed it to your father. You got it from your grandfather as well, that passion for it. But now you're talking about building that passion in other people, right? Where you bring them into the distillery and they can make their own gin and all that sort of stuff. So uh, it, it's amazing, man. Like, I hope that I hope that it works out on that end of it all. I mean, you might need to carry Bo because it doesn't seem like he's pulling his weight or something. And for those of you that don't know, Bo is an exceptionally good-looking, uh, sprightly man, and he is easy to carry, even though he doesn't need to be carried. So take that, Callum. Yeah. Remember, he has you a single. <laughs> that ain't a rumor. I can guarantee it. <laughs> well, the problem is, is, is he single or does he have 15 girlfriends? You tell Ooh. me. Well, Bo, you can tell us. I'll leave it up to the imagination. Ah, uh, beautiful. No, I, I mean, I have a really unique opportunity to uh, work in the liquor industry in general. Yeah. Um, and a rare opportunity to work with my best friend 
um, and have, you know, his father uh, to work for him and him be, uh, you know, a, a wonderful mentor uh, to me over the, the last few years. So I got in the industry uh, naturally at, at the bar level at, mm. at, at Scummit in Iowa means. City. Whatever that right, means. Right, right. Slinging cocktails and dollar beers on Thirsty Thursday. Um, and uh, Been there. made my way to Chicago, you know, bartending, working at the door, uh, downtown Chicago and River North and bartending a little bit um, while I was working a corporate job. And then uh, things shook up a little bit when uh, Nick, uh, he, he tapped me on the shoulder and we were living together in Chicago. He's like, hey, man, my dad's really looking for some uh, – need some help on the marketing side for Rumchata. I'm like, oh, marketing in the liquor industry. I don't have any experience. So this is going to be interesting. Um, that so, sounds so boring. I know, right? Yeah, I was doing, you know, inventory analytics for a few years. I don't know. It's, it was hard to, it was hard to choose, but um I, I went and sat down with uh, uh Tom Nick's father and uh the general manager and um just talking about my experience and um that I was ex- you know extremely interested in and working on this little cream liqueur brand, Rumchata, um, and so I was I was doing a lot of brand management uh, for the uh, Rumchata for about five or six years, and uh, you know, and then obviously Nick was working on this distillery um, project while we were living together in Chicago, and um, I just saw the growth and I saw the trials and tribulations that Nick was going through, and obviously. Nick's probably infected you guys with the passion that he has oh, yeah. over the last five hours. I mean, I've been around this guy for like a decade. Yeah, I'm applying for the job. <laughs> and, I'm applying um, for the job as we speak. <laughs> yeah. I'll only hire you to fire you. Oh. Hey, I'll, at least it goes on the CV. All right. <laughs> and that's only because I want to watch you walk away, Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard not to have faith in this guy um, yeah. and everything that Hold he does. Down, and so it, it, it was a no-brainer for me when they tapped me. Hey, can you can you – come help at the the dancing go and i said you know i've got nothing holding me back in chicago i love chicago but yeah. um i'm an iowa boy at heart and uh be a Damn little bit straight. closer to my family and so i've been up here for uh, just over a year and um it's been a fucking ride <laughs> and uh, i'm really yeah, excited for imagine, what the future yeah. has to bring yeah. well nick you said something earlier to me when we were outside of the rick house that you hire smart people and let them build into those positions and i want good people around me and that's exactly what it seems like you have here in Bo. like Maybe it's not your background, but you'll figure it out, and let's make sure we figure it out together and grow the brand together. Yeah, that's really the you know the people make the brand, people make the facility, and and I mean Bo is one of many fabulous. I, mean, I don't have many employees. That's the thing that yeah. kind of freaks people out on here is we're very lean because we've designed the process to run lean. No, like literally, Sean like showed up at one building from the next. I'm like, how did you get yeah, you're but, the same guy? <laughs> we, we, we saw him at the Rick House, and then we were driving around, and then he opened the door to us here, and we were like, "There's dude, obviously a twin because yeah, there's yeah, no fucking way yeah. that you got here. This is that fast." He <laughs> like, actually is the understudy for the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Who but but sean's another great example of uh yeah. he's he's a one i mean like i said to you earlier and this yeah. wasn't exaggeration i'm making whiskey with my best friends yeah. i mean he's a one of my best friends from chicago phenomenal life experience saw it i mean we i saw an opportunity to bring him in and i just need to get my hook in him i knew as soon as we got him up here he'd buy in right but we have these people who yeah. who are dedicated who are driven who are motivated and they're smart and I've heard, I've figured out distilling. I know how to just dist- I can crack a whip, like I said. I, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be arrogant here. It's just I, I can turn the still on and boost comes out. Not a lot of people can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can take care of that. So if you can help me watch this still, I can teach you how to watch it. Mm. You know, we can set KPIs. We can we can manage that. We can look at our distillates critically. You know, in a lab, and we can say it worked or it didn't. Unfortunately, it worked for us, and so we can run lean like that. But the only reason why is because Bo is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal person to have around. Mike Ryber is 
I cannot accentuate. Mike, you're fucking amazing. I fucking love you. Mm. Um, these guys, these people I'm are sure just appreciate that. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can hear through the wall for sure. He's, yeah, he's probably on like a really important meeting or something. <laughs> he probably <laughs> know. He for sure is. He's probably talking to DNR right yeah, now. About the water company, maybe. Either that or he's buying hunting tags for us. One of the two. Turkey season's coming up, baby. Yeah. If it's clucking, it's dropping, boy. Shopping for nine millimeter ammo right now. Hey, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. He's packing our nine. Um, and MJ, like we were talking about MJ because you even said to me, you point, you're like, where did you get these guys? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, man, I, I'm lucky. Some of them found me, but I'm not letting them go. And and what we really have here is a family. I mean, we are we are a family. We're we're a small group of people who are running lean. It's stressful. It's hard, mm-hmm. but we make it work. And we're making some great distillates. Yeah, don't let that go. I mean, I've worked in so many places where at some point you have a great cohesive unit, and one person leaves, and it's a trickle effect because all of a sudden. That uh, that mold has been opened up a little bit, and other things can get into affect it. And all of a sudden, you look look around, and there's nobody left from where you started. But having that team, that core team that you can believe in, and they believe in you, having that reciprocation right there, it's huge. Well, the trust is the most important thing because I can trust these people to watch the sales. I can leave, and I know that this place isn't going to blow up. I know they're not going to steal from me, and they can have the trust in me that hey, I'm going to show up. I'm not going to lead you wrong. Yeah. You know, and also I'm not going to infiltrate in your life. Like one of the things that we've created here is a culture where, where you know, you need time off, take it. You need mm. a vacation, take it, because our team's going to cover you. You know, we like in the expansion, we we built the gym, we built the kennel, like we built these these things to make working here easier. Because no one wants to be. I'll be honest to God, if you're listening, you're a distiller. You, you you're gonna know I'm telling the truth. No one wants to turn three stripping runs in a day, but sometimes it's got to happen. Yeah. And 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 your dog's got to eat too, and you need to get exercise. Otherwise, you can go crazy. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that can happen. We right. want to make sure people empower them to have that ability. And if exercise ain't your thing, that's fine. We, you know, we have TVs. We have, we have a lot of ways for people to blow off stress yeah. here. And, and that's important because we're trying to keep a culture where we're retaining really good talent. But the best part about my talent, besides Sean and Bo, is they're, they're my imports. They're the ones I'm afraid of leaving. I'm afraid that big Kentucky or somebody, maybe like Pernod, is going to scoop Or no, Star no, no. Wars, oh, too, when they oh, blow up. Oh, Don't worry, I'll put bad words in for them everywhere. Good, good. That'll <laughs> hey, don't worry, Brady, I'm not on the market. Oh, <laughs> but I'm single. Yeah, but you're single. <laughs> I am. I'm not sure for what, though. Okay, great, great. <laughs> we'll put you to work. Fun, fun. I'm in the market for fun. Yeah, you didn't even you didn't even rule some bottles, mate. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. I had to capture the footage. That's very true. Very yeah. true. Yeah, he got his hands dirty again. Everyone puts whiskey in a barrel, and 100%. that's an important thing to remember. Yeah. Is is and that's that's something I say all the time. Is be proud of the actions you take. Because even if you're in an office all day, mm-hmm. dude, that sucks that you were in an office all day. Yep. I appreciate you being there because you being in the office all day, doing tibs, doing transfers, printing <laughs> barrel labels, finding us barrels to fill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Helping us find more organic farmers to fill our stills. All those things, that puts whiskey in a barrel. That keeps me on the production floor. Yeah. You know, and, and all of those touches, a lot of people, there's a disconnect in the industry where people think, oh, like the distiller's the star. It's like, eh, no, the distiller's not the star. The yeast is the star, and then the water, right? So those are the two most important components, at least in my philosophy on whiskey. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then beyond that, it's everybody. What is your philosophy of whiskey? My philosophy on whiskey 
Oh, man, I have a lot of really unpopular philosophies on whiskey, but I would say in general... This is key in the lake. Nothing's unpopular. Okay. okay. Um, generally, <laughs> I would say... Except for Joe say, Henry. Hey! <laughs> hey, Jojo, hey, jo, we're coming for you. Jo um, well, speaking of Joe, that's going to bring up my really unpopular whiskey opinion. Is that, <laughs> um, is that I think personally, and this is... Nothing family distilleries suck. No, this is a family <laughs> distillery. We're both family distilleries. Um, I family farm distilleries suck. No! No, no, we just bought a farm. No. Um, I personally feel that bourbon is often monodimensional um, and rudimentary. And I, I think I've made some cool bourbons. I think a lot of great bourbons have been made. But at the end of the day, let's look at this, right? We have 51% corn mashable, so we have a subtle sweet basis for everything, okay? People pretty much use the same mashable, so you toy around with the wheat a little bit or you toy around with the rye a little bit. Some people get funky on the malt. Most people don't. I get funky on the malt. Mm. That's how you make it. Fuck, wow. You're getting freaky um, out here. You know, sour mash or sweet mash. A lot of people are sweet mashing. That's a mistake. In my opinion, you should be sour mashing because you can get some nuance in there. Bacteria adds nuance to bourbon, right? But bourbon's really easy for a new, and I'm not talking shit. I'm talking the truth. So you better listen to me right now. If you're a new whiskey drinker, start with bourbon. You don't want to know why? You're going to look cool at the bar because you're going to take a sip and you're going to go... Oh, man, that's smooth. And nothing about your face is going to say it was smooth, but you can go, man, that was smooth. Oak, vanilla, caramel. And the reason that you're doing that is it's a new charred barrel. Caramelized lignin yields vanillin. Caramelized hemicellulose, which is a non-fermentable wood sugar, yields caramel, literally, right? Mm -hmm. And then oak. So, I mean, literally, it's, it's an easy, identifiable... It's the first step in whiskey, but most people never step past it. One of, one of the most unpopular things I've ever said in this podcast... <laughs> was as a guy from single malts moving into trying to learn about bourbons one time I, I was surrounded by bourbon drinkers and i was like listen guys i just want to be honest but like for me a lot of them taste kind of the same yep and like i've never lived it down i've never lived it you down. never will but compared to compared to the malts and stuff where there is like for me like loads more nuance yeah like it was so hard for me to start breaking down it was so hard for me to start breaking down bourbon now obviously now I am getting into that stage but for me I was the exact same way when I started drinking bourbon I think what you're gonna see now in bourbon which is a really cool trend that's going on is people are starting you know for a while it was all just Kentucky and Kentucky is big business and high proof gallons in barrels saves money mm -hmm. if, you have, if you have more proof gallons in the barrel you have more to dilute down in the back end yeah, yeah. so you know Bar 125, 120 entry proof, you know, 53 gallon fill, 52 gallon fill, whatever your barrel will fill will fit, um, you know, and let it sit for three years, pull it, blend it, rebarrel it, proof it, dump it, if they're even rebarreling and proofing, right? Because I know that some people do and some people don't down in big Kentucky. But at the end of the day, there's a new trend that's going around where people are lowering barrel entry proofs. So like I should yep. be taking notes. You, you should, should be. Do it, dude. You can listen do back. Um, but lowering, so when you change, so like we understand here ethanol as a polar solvent. So polarity being, you know, just like a like anything that's polar, there's positives and negatives, right? So when we're talking about polarity, we're talking about concentration of water in, in the distillate. And so as you drop in proof or as you lower polarity of the solvent it, it pulls out different aspects of a barrel and yeah. so one of the things that we're really seeing right now and i think uh bardstown bourbon company is a huge is a huge leader of this charge and if i'm wrong i might be wrong but i don't think i am because i talked to a few people there when we were there we were there talking to nally and uh you know if are you, you yelling that i'm gonna add a tour <laughs> you, you, yeah, exactly. you uh, so i know i'm right yeah. <laughs> well he signed my bottle so he signed my bottle so i know he must be the master can you imagine if it was just not if it wasn't him 
if it was someone else's time. It was well, just some stamp in those bottles. Yeah, some some stranger freaking signs my bottle and tells me, you know, hey kid, you're you're okay. Just reflux it all back in the beer well. And I started doing that, and I was wrong. Are you kidding me? That'd be awful. But um, you know, people starting to do lower entry proofs on barrels. Um, you're pulling out more water soluble, so you're going to give nuance to that mm-hmm. bourbon. It's not just going to be straight oak. It's not just going to be straight tannin. There's going to be nuance that comes mm-hmm. out of there. And then also, as you change the polarity of the solvent, you're going to impact your tannic uh, extraction, right? Which, and you're also going to change the concentration of the ethanol. Yeah. And, and this is basic science. This is bourbon science 101, okay? What is an ester? An ester is a flavoring, is the flavor molecule of whiskey. What is an ester? An ester is a carboxylic acid group. Where do we get carboxylic acid groups? We get them in fermentation, and then we can also alter them with tannic extraction. And so the way that we create esters is a carboxylic acid group and alcohol interact, and they create esters. The funny thing is, though, is an ester is a carboxylic acid group. So there's alcohol in the barrel. We just created that ester, that carboxylic mm. acid group. It's going to re, it keeps interacting with the same alcohol. And so it creates these, it's a cascading, in, in science we call it a cascade reaction or cascading reaction. One reaction is like dominoes yeah. or like a Rube like Goldberg a machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you tipped it and now, and now it's going, you They're can't stop going. it. They're all going. <laughs> You know, it ends up with this branch chain of, chain of esters. Reaction, yeah. yeah, and so when, when you change the polarity of that solvent, you can start changing the transesterification process, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we do here, and I know, and this is why I will say that that the Henrys, for sure, they make phenomenal bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, we both use a lot of French barreling techniques, right? And so, you know, we I like to enter a really high proof, and then I proof down over years in the barrel, and then proof down to barrel proof over the course of six to nine months in a barrel just to pull that full spectrum of 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 polarity to, to get all those different water solubles out of that barrel yeah hmm. beautiful no i was going to say uh we we interviewed um the the distiller uh, sonoma distilling co and it was it that was one of the first times when i was in the united states that someone had really talked about French barrel, not not just that, but also different techniques of proofing, bringing proofing down. And I think you're right, like as more and more people get stuck into bourbon and as bourbon kind of opens its eyes to the idea that it doesn't always have to be that high proof, big barrel idea, we are going to see much more flavor there, right? And we're already seeing it, okay? We're already big seeing time. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, Bo, you were saying earlier, this is the... The production sites the you're a bit green to that side extremely green um so for you what what would you say is your forte and then what do you think in the last year has been coming into this process has been something that's just blowing your mind or something that you look back on and think holy shit i didn't realize that this is how it works should we taste some whiskey too while Bo's answering that question yeah absolutely i mean we totally can um yeah so i was brought in i was doing a lot of uh, obviously marketing overall brand management and so the the advertising side and branding so i'm looking at you know what is our pack you know what does our packaging look like do we have cohesive packaging does it make sense um building branding guidelines creating a voice and a tone for the brands not only our brands limousine rye whiskey and uh destor gin but for the distillery itself yeah so it was kind of looking at the the big picture and what we had done what had been done over the past few years and um just make sure we you know our, our brand strategy is is in line with what we want to do with our, our goals for the company um yeah the second question um you know honestly in in the production area um it was a bit overwhelming i mean it oh, still is to this day imagine, especially with this guy yeah going yeah. around 100 miles yeah. an hour um you know i'm 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 learning every day um from nick and you know i know he's 
he bought probably every distillation book textbook in in the world and like i'm going through like you know i've gone through like grossman's guide to spirits right <laughs> and so i i think it's it, it's really just the the organization the organization that goes on it and the engineering um and just all the stainless steel and the copper and being able to run these stills like he says he can turn on a still and have fucking juice coming out and I wouldn't know where to begin to turn yeah. the still on right yeah. now. So. And that was amazing as well, I think, when we were talking about this earlier. You guys were giving us the tour, especially talking about the new expansion and how you've obviously really looked at the design of this place because, you know, it's something that you don't see very... Because a lot of the... Especially in Scotland, like, a lot of the buildings are very, very old, right? A lot of these distilleries are extremely old buildings. And, yeah, they've been revamped and renovated and stuff. But this, you guys are kind of building this dream from the ground up and everything has like a purpose. Everything is in, like th this still here is here because of a specific reason. It's got a pipe that leads somewhere else that, or it's an access thing or you want to get the two forklifts in and you want them to be able to pass each other and all this sort of stuff. Like, was that something that you kind of had going for you or was that something that you had to bring in consultants for? So that, I didn't bring in a consultant, I hired a man. And his, oh. his name's Mike Ryber. He's in the room next to me. I love that man. He's he's like a like an like an uncle to me. Um, but my grandfather was a king, the king of efficiency when he was at Barton. Right. He really designed that plant to be efficient. But you remember, my granddaddy died before we started building this, and I was kind of left. Oh, so he never tasted any distillery. Never tasted. He saw this with a hole in the ground. Wow. He saw he saw we brought him up here on his deathbed in a wheelchair and wilded him around on dirt before we even had the foundation. The foundation was poured, but didn't have a floor poured yet, and he. Uh, it was unbelievable. I, I'm so happy he even saw it. Right. But he never got to taste it. Um, but his plant, Midwest Custom Bottling, is built all, I mean, it is it is pristine, spick and span, and efficiencies through the roof. I mean, through the roof. And something Saving that, money, saving power, saving time. Yeah, and, and really, it's it's at the end of the day, it saves money, saves power, saves time, but it's it's it's, it's, it's a favor for your employees. Oh, yeah. You know, and, mm -hmm. and you, you put the tools where they need to be. You build the process how it should flow. And that's something that Mike really helped me learn, Mike Ryber in the next room, was the six S's, the Toyota way. So that is 100% malt, 99% mm. brewer's yeah, malt, 1% Negra pills, barreled at 112, been knocked down at about two points per year for the last five years. It's like this jalapeno effect on the nose, where like that spice kind of dries up through your senses. Can I get a taste? Uh, if there's any left, there's I'm just touching. Like, I'm, I'm getting like watermelon. Yeah, yeah I like we, grapefruit. I finished with grapefruit for double sure. yeasted the mo, and uh, we. I wanted to pop a little bit of fruit at people. So Whoa. some people get bananas, some people get a watermelon. Yeah. I, I really like the jalapeno coming out. That turns me on that you yeah. said that. Um, but we we used the yeast to finish the yeast on that one, and it really worked out well mm. for us. Um, I really like that. This, this is your own distillate too, right? No, this was an MGP distillate oh, that okay. we designed. Yeah, okay. I'm getting yeah. like sheer watermelon, like water, like watermelon juice. I get grapefruit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this one, oh, that um, great. I w when I worked with them there, I really wanted them to finish it in a different way. And so we, we used another yeast to, to, to kind of, autolysis is when yeast start eating each other. Mm. And if you can master autolysis, and that's stellar, that's at 106 proof. That's, that's an awesome five-year malt. It has like a little bit of like a, like a darker note at the end, right? Almost like a cocoa will pop out at you. Yeah, when yeah we're, it's we're, really yeah, nice. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a heavy cocoa and kind of a banana. Like, um, a I'm, fruity almost, note. I'm almost getting like a coffee grain feel at the end. That's kind of I, what, I didn't mm. get it at all on the nose, but. 
I'll get it when I pull the samples. I'll get it when I crack the barrel. I'll get that kind of that cocoa-y kind of note, yeah. Um, but malts, really, if you start playing with autolysis on malts, you can really get some wild things to happen. And like going back to our processing and going back to this, when we had, so Journeyman came out here to visit. They wanted to they check out our Rick house. We ended up reaching out because we really want to be brothers and sisters with all the distilleries yeah. out there. And so we invited them in because we know they're about to spend a bunch of money on their new facility. Shout out to Journeyman. Support those guys. They do great things and they're mm-hmm. building new facilities they need the cash they don't need the cash they got the cash but they need <laughs> they need the support they don't need the support they deserve this support. They deserve every little sure. bit helps yeah, yeah. Every, they, they deserve yeah. the support yeah. check yeah. them out um but At, their guys multiple came. episodes on the podcast oh uh, yeah of course they're one of the favorites here and so i don't think i think i'm preaching the choir on that right but yeah. there we had a lot of their, three of their production guys come through and i knew what they were doing they're shopping for <laughs> valparaiso you know i don't know if they knew that i knew that but i'm <laughs> i'm plugged in boy <laughs> <laughs> but I, I told them at the start i was like if you have any questions my people in a lot of places you people then told me what they up to and i know what's going on you know yeah um the, you know we knew they were we were there searching they came over here they didn't even contact us it's like why wouldn't you call us we'd love to show you your journeyman we'd love to show you the rick house right yeah. but then you know and they did and when well, no, we sought them out how did they even know you built it uh i think duffy i'm not sure oh that's well right. you know what the wild thing is is a lot of people have been tough. talking now like we had west virginia great barrel company come and cold call us because they just heard from some random distillery like you're trying to sell us barrels you should get up to wisconsin those losers built a rick house and so <laughs> so people kind of started to talk about it which is cool but um, people seeing dollar signs in the eyes <laughs> yeah well, barrel salesman for sure yeah. yeah um but when we had those journeyman guys here would take them through the facility i really hate you know i've seen their facility i know and the difference between us and them is we built this space right. for this purpose yeah and we knew what our exact expansion was going to look like we well you had foresight too to build into it yeah exactly right they put a uh, they put a facility inside of a pre-existing historic building, which has limitations. This yeah. is this is exactly what I'm meaning about space side yeah. or Scotland, right? You know, these these a lot of these buildings were built 200 years ago, 150 yeah. years ago. So walking through and speaking to you about this, the facility is just like it is quite literally made for this, you know, yes. the, and that's why it's so like it, everything's connected. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has a plan. There's a reason that if there's a screw somewhere there is a reason that it's there you know Absolutely. and that's that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of the efficiency and that's what we really tried to hammer with them not, i'm not like i don't mean to talk like i was like lecturing them or nothing but like no, no, no. the points i tried to make you know you can give it a bunch of different tours i can take people around i can show them the gin still i can show them this but with those guys i knew what they were here for they're here to look for ideas on building their facility and we built a great facility here and so i just hammered efficiencies with them i just i, I was like you know first of all i'd recommend you check out the toyota way it's a book and if you're in manufacturing you should check it out you should master six sigma and lead manufacturing but then i started to point out i was like notice we you know we got the machine shop with dual exits for the building you can get to it from everywhere Mm. the lab you can get to it right where we need it in the production area you put tools where you need them right you 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 designate we have the privilege of, of having some liquidity for this project so we have four mentors four stills they just go to that still so we don't have hoses running around and when you get to design a facility like that the thing that we get to do is we operate it with three, four, five guys. You know what I mean? And I, I mean total. Right. That's not on a shift. That's total. You know, it's usually two guys on a shift. And, uh, and then and, and a shift is usually split. And so we, because of how we design the process, we can, uh, we, we, we can run a little bit leaner like that. Do you know what it reminds me of? And Jake and I were talking about, like, the nomadic lifestyle this morning on the way up here, you know. And I've... I'm a massive fan of these vans that someone lives in the van and it's got a bed and suddenly underneath you lift up the bed and there's a wardrobe under there and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. That's like the vibe I get here sometimes. <laughs> like, you you know, there's uh, there's like drains in the ground like because 
they need to be there for a specific reason because there's a still somewhere or there's waste that's coming out and it just like you say everything is exactly where it needs to be the minimal amount of work has to be done for this place to be taken over all the time and we can clean everything including the drains that it's and that's one of the, the cleanest distillery craft distilleries i've ever seen well and that's one of the things that gets me is you walk into a place and they have a distillery oh that's our brewery funk that's our distillery <laughs> funk it's like no dude you just gave up to a lactobacillus infection it's it's just you, know, you got pseudomonas living in your drains and mm. i'm not gonna if you're only making one distillate all the time and it involves those bacteria and like i said i believe in bacteria i use all types of bacteria i mean but i pitch it you know what I mean? <laughs> but if it's just living, it takes over the facility. You know, there's a difference. A lot of people look at whiskey as the Keebler elf on the other side of the wall that just kind of pisses it out. And, you know, that can be true if that's what you're doing. But here we're intentional. In mm. Infections of bacteria yeah. are intentional. Manipulations yeah. of fermentation temperatures are intentional. Manipulations of currents within fermentations are intentional. You know, and, and, and all of these things, because we are clean, because we are sanitary, we not only have control, but we have variety. And our goal is really, I said this earlier to you guys, yeah. is, is, is not to make the best single whiskey. We are trying to build the most diverse blending library and, mm-hmm. and and the way that we do that is we step out mashes right so we use those different grain stocks on the same mash bills we step out yeast we autolyze yeast so we use yeast to finish yeast right mm-hmm. um we do all these different mar- and then we then we talk wood so take it for a walk mm-hmm. maybe take for a walk baby yeah we take that wood policy for a walk maybe oh <laughs> whoa, whoa i think it's i think it's really interesting that you guys um use your connections to start off by using source product from mgp but also building it to your to your standards and bringing that mash bill and uh, you're essentially sourcing the equipment than you were so much sourcing the whiskey itself where other people can take that whiskey from any sourced category or any f- source facility and bring it back to their own put it a bar- put it in a barrel for you know a two three month finish put a label on it and call it their own own whiskey for you guys are taking ownership from very beginning of the days when you couldn't do it yourself to now you're building this beautiful distillery where you said you'd still source a little bit potentially in the future, but you can also do it on your own. Do you want to build whiskey to fit place, to speak to the place of where you're from here in Wisconsin? Is that part of when you're saying, I want to use corn in a 95% rye mash bill instead of using wheat or what other grain that might actually be from this state? I think that, you know, we... A big focus for distilleries is local ingredients, and yeah. that I, I believe in that for, for, from several aspects. But at the end of the day, sometimes you don't get the best corn where you're at, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe for a bourbon, it's not the biggest deal. But like, you know, let's talk about malt. If you if you're you know, like I said, I'm very intentional. I'm very so, tactical, right? And so if I can't get the right malt here, mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy it here. Right. I'll I'll buy malt here and I'll put it in something that, that it'll work for. I'll mm-hmm. find a way use for it. But right. you, know, you know, here's a really good example. So when we open the tasting room. You know, we needed a clear spirit, right? Which is now closed, unfortunately. Rest in peace, Nancy. Go tasting room. Um, but, <laughs> but we needed a clear spirit, and so I I wanted to make a wheat vodka, but I'm not going to make a red winter wheat vodka because I think it's harsh. And and again, I have a very lot of unpopular spirit opinions, and I'm kind of a, a priss when it comes to spirits or whatever you want to call it. Um, but at the end of the day, I knew the body. I mean, I think we're all spirit snobs, aren't we? Here, like we all. You two are fucking snobs for sure. <laughs> no, we are wearing tuxedos. Well, I mean his. Dude, his name's Bo. Guys, what do you mean? His the name is Bo Love. Pineapple pizza. <laughs> I had two slices of it. Hey, shout out! Shout out to the sports page. You know they're killing it. Um, Whiskey City, Wisconsin. In Whiskey City, Wisconsin. Whiskey Sorry to jump City. in, uh, Brady, but this one. That m- Ooh, okay. I would love to talk to you about this. And so this is great. This is a single brother we're about to come out with soon. Talk so to me. 
This is another one of our great MGP sources that we have. This is a 49% brewer's malt. This was distilled for us at the Dancy Ode uh, in 2013. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So this is stellar. It's sitting at 115 proof right now. I pulled the sample for this. Uh, this was pulled back in 2020. Um, so here you go on that. Yeah. But this is an example of how I like to make uh like bourbon. Yeah, this is no, a straight I noticed, bourbon. I noticed these extremely high malts kicking about. Yeah, know, and right? I I mess with high malts because high malts are wild, son. And and malted versus unmalted malt, uh, malt matters. I'm, I'm sorry, that doesn't make sense. Um, malted versus unmalted barley matters, and you should play with both because I have really good reasons. Well, why. the Irish, that's that that's what their whole thing is built on. And then oh, right oh, here, oh, actually, oh. I have for you. Sorry, I'm feeling the samples already. Uh, <laughs> I have at 108 proof. So this one's already started. This was us experimenting with the lower, and I really want you to check that one out. So this is a six-month-old bourbon. No, I don't sell six-month-old bourbon, um, but we had to write Whoa. his what? face. That is, and dude, rip that. That is a heavy hitter. At 115, that that sips like it's 72. It's I, like, was, I, I didn't, yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel. Give me some of that. I it's want like some black of that. raspberry, oh, like delicious. Oh my god, a berry note. I've never. And that you know, and, and a lot of people when they talk about a high malt in the bourbon, they're going straight to DM. They're going straight to distiller's malt, which is great. I like distiller's malt. You know, there's no um, wine influence in this. For none. That is a straight bourbon, seven year old. Still in the same cast, no wine oh, influence. Man. And that's and when you know your yeast and when you choose meticulously your grain stock, you have ultimate control. So what'd you do with this one? What's so meticulous about it? That was fermented at a high temperature. Okay. So when it's a, it's a brewer's malt, we fermented it at a high temperature and we actually, we let it go a little bit longer. So we lost a little bit of yield on it, mm -hmm. but it made the esters go crazy. And that's in, in really what I said this in ADI a few years ago at the ADI conference when I was a uh, young buck getting my spurs bent in. But I don't even know what that means, bent in, doled up. I was getting my spurs doled up. You know, I, I like bent in. Yeah, okay, me too. Okay, I'm getting my spurs yeah, bent in, boy. And so, Especially because uh, we're all naked. I was um. talking to Liz Rhodes. <laughs> you look so earlier. good naked, by the way. Thanks, man. I look better uh, than my clothes on. But Liz Rhodes is giving a presentation, and I, I, and I don't know if you guys know who Liz Rhodes mm -hmm. is. I mean, she's a genius. Yeah. I mean, I, I have more respect for her than anyone in the Does world. Does an online show with Marty Duffy. She, Liz Rhodes, Liz Rhodes, this message is for you. I proposed to you once as a joke at ADI. That was not to be disrespectful at all. Mm. I have so much respect for you and everything that you do. You are a genius. And if you guys are sleeping on Liz Rhodes, if you don't know who she is, find out how she is and get some whiskey that she's been accountable for. Also, that girl over at Dickel, Nicole Austin, don't sleep on her. That girl rips mm. it up too. Those two women will dance circles around most dudes that I know in the industry. Yeah, um, this is amazing. Her, uh, Marty Duffy and Lou Bryson have an online show called Sip of Knowledge. That they do every Tuesday. Check Liz is one of my inspirations for doing this. And so what anyways, when I was when Liz was giving a presentation, I asked her a question directly relating to her 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 data on the table. And I yelled out, I was like, you know, we're on an Esther quest. And that's literally what we're doing. We're that. on an Esther quest. But it's not can we start like a band called Esther Quest. Yes, we can. But Dang. I have no musical talent. Me neither. It's pretty bad when I sing. <laughs> I'll get some t shirts made. <laughs> yes. I know a guy who has a t shirt guy. These two. <laughs> Um, but again, it's having, having the, the foresight and the knowledge to kind of know, you know, if you make whiskey and you put it in a barrel and just hope it turns out good, I hope that ends up well for you. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're being a professional in this industry, you can plan distillates and we intelligently design, design distillates before we make them. We have, we don't, I can't tell you exactly where it's going to end up, but I can tell you the general location. journey that it's going to yeah. go, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people can do that. And once people start thinking about making whiskey that way, 
um, you know, you can start having phenomenal results. How did Liz take you on your Esther quest? Well, Liz, no, anyways, I just, that's one of the things I said to her is that I'm on an okay. Esther quest. And, and she, that made the whole room laugh at me. Okay. Um, or maybe with me, they were laughing at me. I think um, they were, they were probably laughing with you then, but yeah. they might have laughed at you before. They were definitely yeah. laughing <laughs> or, at me. Or after. Or after, after, for sure. Other, one after, one for sure. Um, but Liz has inspired me just, just with the data that she shared. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with the, I mean, I mean, the, you know, working for Diageo, the amount yeah. of booze that you're making is, is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and people, if anyone shits on the big boys, uh, you're an idiot because, you know, to make that much booze that consistently all the time is, is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we're breaking our necks over here trying to replicate success barrel by barrel on a small basis. And you got someone like Liz Rhodes just killing it. You know what I mean? It's talking just about millions and millions of yeah. bottles. You, you know, know. I mean, of, of whiskey. And, and it, everyone always kind of forgets the big guys started out the same way that little guys are starting right, right now. A lot of the big guys start off in the woods, right? right Jim right. Beam, baby. Oh, yeah. um, but you know, the thing about Liz that I think, and like, I don't, I'm not talking, I don't, I hope I'm not talking, it sounds like I'm talking about Liz, like I know her really well. This is an admiration. This is somebody who I admire. And Liz, he told at. me you were best friends, so that's why I'm here actually. Oh. Liz, he's got a tattoo of your face <laughs> on his chest. <laughs> That's actually ironic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, she's somebody who I've looked at what she's done. I've looked at her body of work. But I've, what I've really looked at is is the presentation she's made out of the goodness of her own heart mm. at, at distilling conferences where she talks about her lab data. And that got me in the lab. That got me pulling HPLCs. That got me pulling GCMSs. You, you have to be in your distillates. You have to know what's going on to know how it's turning out. Were you studying this when you were bartending at the great University of Iowa? I was doing some runs at home. Um, it wasn't all beverage ethanol. Um, there were some other, you know, um, things I distilled at home too. Things that are becoming more legal day by day. Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been, in, I've been banging on pots for a long time since I was a teenager. Um, my granddaddy showed me how to make when I was 13 as a joke. Um, just because I asked more about like what his job was, and he, you know, he basically took all the things out. And he said, you know, you solder this on here, and you got a pot still. And then I kind of ran with that later in life. And then I, I was just toying around, you know, a little bit of home brewing, a little bit of distilling, making moonshine. I mean, I was in Iowa, you know, I was bringing moon, jugs of moonshine to tailgates, just screwing around. Never thought this would ever happen. You know, this doesn't happen. But my family didn't grow up with 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 rum chata in our back pocket. You know, mm-hmm. that was. My, you know, the, the industry is a funny place because many men have made corporations millions of dollars and have reti- been forced into early retirement because they want to hire someone younger or, or whatever, and 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 those people retire, and that's just it. And the reason I'm saying many men is because I'm just I'm specifically talking about my father right now. I'm not yeah. trying to be, um, no, you no, know, no, yeah. Um, but you know, my father made millions of dollars for Jim Beam with his marketing and with the things that he did. And at, at the end of it, he ended up with a distillery. Yeah. He ended up with Midwest because he ended up with Rumchata. That doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, most people get a pension, yep. you know, and retire and move to Florida. Yep. He retired and started Midwest Custom Bottling. Got you to know, work. And, yeah, got to work. And, and, and you know what? He's going to die with his boots on. So did my granddaddy and so am I. That's a promise. Yep. You yeah. know, and, and it's just, it's wild to think that this is what happened. This is where we ended up. But at the same time, you can't just sit on your laurels and rest on it. I can't just say, "Oh man, look at my great distillery." Because a distillery ain't nothing if you ain't processing grain. Yeah. You know, if you ain't if you ain't pulling PGs, what the hell are you doing? You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, a lot of people sit there and and talk about you know their whiskey and their spirits and their this and their that. I want to sit here and talk about my team, mm-hmm. my city, you know, our opportunity, our gratitude. 
I want to talk about our shared love of spirits. I want to celebrate spirits. That's what I want to do. I don't, I'm not here to sell out. He's not here to sell out. We're here to die together in the parking lot. But you know what? On our Esther quest, if we go bankrupt, and this is my mic job right here. Mm. If we go bankrupt, I'm going to cut this place apart with an angle grinder. Bo's going to help me do it. MJ's going to help me do it. Sean's going to help me do it. And then they're all going to go off, and they're going to get great jobs in the industry elsewhere. Mm. And we're going to do it with a smile on our face because we did it the right way. Yeah, you know, and you, you, guys, know, you guys give a shot. Yeah. You, you know, know what breaks my heart is that you two punks were sitting down in River North having beers, having a great time. This idea was formulating. Maybe you even know it was formulating at the time. And we started this podcast a couple of years ago based on everything you talked about, to share the stories behind the bottle, everything that goes into the experience of whiskey. And I was sitting at a distillery wanting to echo the, the values and the ethics that you're talking about um through whiskey and you fucking were sitting just too far down south in the city and i couldn't reach you and i couldn't find you and then you moved up here and i didn't even know you existed at the time and started a distillery based on everything that i believe in too you should have been hanging out around erie and franklin shout out God, to the was sushi just, and shout out to my boys way the franklin too room. freaking much in lakeview east at if, dry hop if you're in chicago and and i hope i don't get just like like you know canceled by all the other whiskey accounts but if you're in chicago drinking whiskey and you're not sitting across from peter kim at, mm. at franklin room at least once in your life don't come here get a cocktail baby. Shout out yeah, peter go kim. get a cocktail get and some, some whiskey boy boy get some, some oysters, oysters. We, a happy hour mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. we were talking about the franklin room the other day yeah and it's just it's just one of those places that once the i got ahi tuna salad oh my god a couple, yeah. a couple yeah. of whiskey boys with peter kim i can't wait to go back Oh, can I go back to something though? Yeah. yeah. So we no, were talking about the tasting room and the grains, right? So a lot of people will we're focus done. No, on. This is I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I want to close no, we're, the thought. We're done now. I want to close you the can't talk oh, I'm sorry. Close the loop, Brady. Um, but with that, with the the, the high proof, I didn't want to make it because I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell vodka. That's just not something I want to do. The world doesn't need another vodka. But uh, we chose to use a white winter wheat, and we can't. We don't grow that here. They don't want to grow that here. They want to grow us red wheat, and so we had to go and source that from Colorado, and then we had to malt it ourselves. We went to a malt house and had them malt it because I wanted a malted white winter wheat. And the reason why I wanted it is even though if you, if you sour mash that, not a lot of people sour mash um, or sour mash in high proofs, but if you sour mash that, you distill it to azeotrope, it still has a floral characteristic. And so, you know, we didn't use a local ingredient in that regard, but it's because it was intentional. We had a target. And so we found the ingredient we needed because it was the right thing to do for the business. Right. Sorry. I wanted to no, close that. No, no, that was great. Everything you've been talking about, it seems like it's the right thing for the business. You, these people... Put trust in me. Mm -hmm. Mike Ryber, Bo, MJ, they've they've gone out on a limb and they've taken a job here with me. This fucking this guy. <laughs> they, they've took a chance on me. You know, I'm sitting here looking like Gene Hackman out of Willy Wonka. That was Gene Hackman, right? I don't um, know, but I wish he wouldn't have no, shaved that, that beard. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking really too crazy. brings it all together. Yeah, I'm looking too crazy here. Uh, <laughs> Gene Simmons? No. Not Gene Simmons. No. Gene uh, Wilder. Wilder. Gene Wilder. Wilder. Yeah, yeah. Gene yeah. Simmons was the, the musician, right? Yeah, for Kiss. Kiss, yeah, Jesus Christ. You know, if you were, I mean, I mean, he's a grown man. You're, he's a grown man. Yeah, he's got responsibilities. and Yeah, he's got kids. Yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. multiple kids in college. I mean, and he trusts me. He comes here every day. He gives me it his all. Him, he moved here. He trusts me. We, I have to, I don't have the luxury of making poor business decisions. No. No one does. Can't and fail. if you're doing it, it's a character flaw, and you need to change because you're, you owe your employees better. You need to make the right decisions at your distillery for your employees because they trust you. 
And that's something that I really take to heart. I can't believe he moved up here. I can't believe Sean moved up here. I can't believe MJ has chosen to stay here. I can't believe the it was, it was like you said, though. It was like you said, you're obviously doing something right, mate. Because yeah, you only had to get Sean to come and see the place. And he yeah. was like, do you know what? Fuck it, I'll do it. Well, well, even when we were leaving the rickhouse, coming back over here to the main facility, we just both looked at each other and said, we're envious of what you guys have here. Isn't it wild? It's it, a, it blows me away all the time. Yeah. And it, it's a group of great guys, great friends who are doing what they love. And smile, make, smiling while know, doing it and making memories like you know you're really putting special things into people's hands you know to drink so and that's the dream guys right. like at the end of the day that, I think that's everybody's dream you know more or less that to be doing that so that's why we make millions of dollars doing this podcast <laughs> yeah of course thanks for that high life um, <laughs> and oh, speaking of Esther Quest yeah, yeah. this one it's okay. wild you, you, okay. oh, oh I haven't tried that so one. that's the six month so this that's is blow that's, you away, fruity. That's another like I'm talking about. You get intentional and you start manipulating fermentations. So this is a really young bourbon that we took over the rickhouse and started leaking at the top of the head, and so we had to bring it back because this was one that we could not clog. Um, if you're a distiller, and I'm going to throw shade right now, and I never throw shade. Mm. If you're a distiller, you need to stay away from Atlas Barrel Company. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get into anything else, but do not even go close to those guys. Um, it's not good for your business. Um, but so that was a barrel that, that we've deemed unfit for service. And so we brought it back to the, the when I say brought it back, it's a mile away, the Rick house. And so drive Did it back. Did you make bubble gum? Because this smells like a bubble it's gum. It's fruity, ain't it? That's oh a wild. So this is a bourbon. This is a Hopi blue corn bourbon. And a lot of people think the, the colored corn. so fruity. Yeah, it's wild, dude. It's wild. That's a Hopi blue corn bourbon. And I think that's a, that one's a 49 malt. Well, wow. 49 distillers malt. Is that local corn? That is local corn. That corn is out <clears throat> of uh, formerly Lonesome Stone Stone Mill. Rest in peace, Lonesome Stone. I hope you get your shit right. I, w- I, would, love to, I would love to see what the, dis- the distill of that was like. Right. The original? Because that. Yeah. No is, fruit. Yeah. Whoa. No fruit. Cocoa. Cocoa on the news and the white dog. Wow. See, it's wild, isn't it? It's in there. It's that still deep inside of there. There is it like a toasted, toasted flavor to it. Toasted marshmallow. Isn't that wild? Yes. The 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 fruits when and even and I'll tell you this and I'm sitting I'm sitting here preaching I'm sitting here preaching to you guys like everyone plan your intentional spirits blah 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 <laughs> no but when not I, tell me not when tell. I saw that barrel leaking like that it was I didn't know what it was. I was on the other side of the head yeah and so and I could have walked around the head I mean it's like three feet away right but instead I licked it I licked it and you'll see me if you ever walk around the distillery with me yeah I, hey look don't worry I saw you already you saw today. me licking I, I, I saw you with it, the bottles in the middle room there and like one of them you were like look man like this look man this leaking and then you like put your hand on it, and then they were they two were talking, and you were like, "I want to know which it, one." And I was like, "Damn right, baby, you got to know what's going on. <laughs> you got to know which one I'm coming back." Smelled some bungs as well. Yeah, these these are my children. You know what I mean? I got to know which one's leaking. You know, <laughs> when you got barrels stacked in chapter of each other, you got a little puddle on one. It could have come from the one above. It could have come from two above. It could be from that one. Yeah. And so you see me. I, I tell everyone in here. Follow the rules. Be safe. Be OSHA safe because I want you here forever. But you see me do some stuff in here. Not nothing non OSHA compliant, but like. <laughs> Who do you know that's just gonna like taste a puddle off the floor? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah, mean, with, yeah, you, yeah, whiskey. for sure. I like the it's way you use all It's that senses. long hair, dude. Yeah, it's the dude. long hair. Effect. I actually at a former distillery, we had a leaky barrel in one of our warehouses, and I put a just a little flask underneath it like that and let it fill up for like two weeks, and then took it home <laughs> and made some amazing cocktails with it. Some nice Manhattan's. Oh, you so know, tasty. The wild thing is like straight out of the barrel, man. Uh, it's it's. Oh, you know, it's a different. It's a, it's different, a different beast, beast man. man. Yeah. Different, you know, so many people crash proof, and there's actually if you crash proof, there's there's a true separation 
in your distillate. Can you explain that? I'm not sure if everybody would listen to will understand. Okay, so yeah. like, let's say like I had like a, I, I fill up a 53 gallon barrel, and I lose maybe, let's say I lose you know 20 percent of that. So then I, I dump <clears> that out, and then now I have this distillate. Usually, depending on where you're at, it might raise and improve, might lower improve depending on how the dynamics of your evaporation are going to work. Um, but but you have this, and let's say you wanted to proof it down to, I don't know why anyone sells it at 80 proof other than to get money for it, but let's say you want to proof it down to 80 proof, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you just add all the water to get to 80 in one shot, that that that's what I'm calling crash proofing. Yep. And there's there's a couple consequences of that. There's a texture consequence, right? It's just you can get a thicker, quick uh, texture by proofing in different ways um, or a more viscous texture. Um, but the other consequence is a, is a thermal uh, reaction. So when we when we when we proof down alcohol, right? Um, there's there's like bonding, the chemical bonding that's going on, and there's actually a chemical reaction. Right, so when we, we proof solvents, we're proofing solvents. It's the same as proofing any solvent, okay? And so by adding that water, it's actually gonna create an exothermic reaction that releases heat. And I mean, some people are gonna tell you it doesn't matter, um, and other people like me are gonna tell you that if you have that exothermic reaction, you are gonna lose flavor. Something's yeah. happening, yeah. something's yeah. going. You've, you've added heat and things are gonna evaporate out. I think and the easiest yeah. kind of thing is, think if you have a brand new piece of bubble gum in your mouth and you take a big sip of water, that flavor is just gone all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And you have nothing left. Yeah, you know, and, and whereas if you were to slowly proof over time, that water is more integrated with the spirit. And so when I'm talking about a separation, like this is, and distillers listen up, cause this is one that you're getting dinged on. If you're crash proofing and you're not getting the scores you want in contest, it, it, it might be that because there's an actual separation in flavor. So you'll have like a, a full sip of whiskey should be, um, you know, you should get burned on your first sip, right? But on your second sip, it should be pretty smooth yeah. and it should go down easy and your flavor should last as long as the alcohol burn. Yeah. That's that's a full sip, right? But when I say separation, your flavor's gonna disappear, but there's still gonna be alcohol burn. And so, or like the sensation of it, right? And so by by proofing slowly and not having that exothermic reaction, or the exothermic reaction is separate, right? But by proofing slowly, you don't get that separation. And that's that's one area where we've, one thing that we hammer, hammer, hammer is, I mean, the six year that you guys tried downstairs that we oh, just yeah. released, lovely. Yeah. Um, you know, we proofed that. I'm I'm talking pound or two additions. You want the porter? Yeah, you? I want to try the. Porter. Oh yeah, proud we, to have that bottle on back bar at home. By the way, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, we uh, I really appreciate that because I know you got a lot of bottles back there. Um, yeah, really. I take everything personally. <laughs> no, no. For, for his wife, for the producer, Jake has too many bottles. Back there. <laughs> oh. For Jake, he has too few. Sounds <laughs> like my producer at home. Oh, Shout yeah. out to my wife. She's pregnant. My name is Brady. Don't drive on Mercedes. I got me a lady Actually, inside as a baby. Uh, <laughs> N- N- Brady or Nick, you know, with your wife, when we go, we'll be seeing our my back bar collection live on Thursday night. And you should be there too if you're if you if you said you were going to be there, you should you should be there. If you, want, if you want a spot, you should be there. We 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 actually had a great turnout at the last Keenan Lake blind tasting for the, for the second anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it was legit. It was actually really good. So I might make a cameo on. Oh please, oh, please do. Please, He'll mate, be with please. You should just do please. it naked from the distillery. I can do it naked. I'm naked just like now. we're doing now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but your Tops your wife off. is currently producing. My wife is yeah yeah she is. Let me tell. I yeah, love congratulations. that woman. Shout out to you, baby. Uh, did you say a month ago? Uh, no, a month to go. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, what? a month. <laughs> Your accent. Yes, bro. he absolutely did say that. <laughs> I got that. There's a couple of whiskeys. A couple of whiskeys. You got that North twang on you. You got that Scottish twang on you. We all said a month to go. Um, but that's great. Man. Yeah, we got a baby girl in there, so I'm about to be a girl dad. And uh, there's one thing I haven't asked you today, and I intentionally didn't ask you because I wanted to hear it on the podcast. You want to surprise me? You trying to catch me in a corner? Well, we just we've had such amazing gotcha. conversations just naturally throughout yeah. the entire day, it's like, and it's been funny to see us um, go from 
uh, collection of people to the collection of people like Callum and Bo be having a conversation, then me and Bo, and then you and, you and uh, Callum, and we're over here having repeated conversations or, re- or talking about things that you might have missed out on, and then I'm, t- I'm telling Callum, like, yeah, and Brady and I talked about this, and he's like, oh, no, we actually covered that while you were over there, <laughs> but uh, the one thing I haven't heard, why Dancing Goat? Oh, shit, dog. Is it, <laughs> is it because of the rocket launcher? And... No, 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 no. I wish, dude. That is, hey, shout out to Will Seitz, man. I hope you shoot another rocket launcher in Africa, dog. Oh. Um, but, uh, but um, and I'm going to find out what country that was in, too, for you. I texted him. He didn't text me. Back. Oh. No, no shout out. Screw you, Will Seitz. Yeah, yeah. Text me back, dog. Shout out, taken um, back. But uh, dancing goes. So me and uh, oh, the port is good. Me and my oh, dad. The, the port is great, the man. Port is good. Shout out to O'Neill Vintners. Yeah. Get with it or get out of Dodge, boy. Do they have their own um, expressions or? They do have some of their own wines. Um, I'm not an authority on their portfolio, so I can't say which ones. But I definitely. But they are making as much wine as anyone else. God, in that is great for that. Oh yeah, Asian home. I can't take credit for the uh, for making it, but I can take credit for it sitting here. <laughs> anyway, back to the dancing goat. Um. So anyway, so dancing goat originally we had another partner in the project, Travis Hazy, and, and Travis has moved on from the project. Um. And uh, mm. but me, Travis, and my dad were sitting, mm. and we were about to. So. We were in New Glarus, and we actually went and toured the New Glarus Brewery. Okay. And it was the old New Glarus facility. And I get toured by a production manager, and, and we're going through, and Travis is talking to me. He goes, okay, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, all right, so we're going to blow the roof off Cupula. We're going to put a column <laughs> here. We can bring in two stills here. If we added about 600 square foot here, we can bring in another still. We need two more loading bays. They don't have enough loading bays. Um, and I was going through, and, and I was telling him all this stuff on the fly because you know, I'm an on-the-fly guy. Yeah. You know, and uh, and this production. Before the distillery was being created. Before this yeah. we were looking for our location. Got right. It. And so, uh, and this guy's like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. He goes, so you guys are building the brewery, huh? And we go, no, we're building a distillery. And he goes, oh, great. Well, you know, hope you like the building. We go, I go, yeah, we're going to buy it. I was like, we're in. We're going to buy it. And we left. Called the realtor. Not for sale anymore. Dun, dun, dun. Now, a couple of years later, guess what's in that building? Nuclear Distillery. Nuclear Distillery. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I am a person that I take everything personally. And so um, my old company helped them build that distillery. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Thanks, Koval. No, <laughs> it was technically Kota. Oh, okay. The Bavarians. Yes. The Bavarian steel manufacturers. Yes. Um, well, uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. They came here. Uh, Dan came here and toured this place. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. And uh, he's a good dude. And he makes a great property. And at the end of the day, you want to keep your property, you want to keep your property. Right. But right. I'm a vindictive <laughs> mother effer. And so I said, and this is arrogant. This is young arrogance coming out. I don't, I don't think or act this way anymore. I have grown emotionally and spiritually so much from this day. But I literally said, fuck you. We're going to build it in fucking nuclear. So we're going to put you out of business. And then we're going to put your brewery out of business. And it's like... What we're gonna no one. It's, it's like, like dodgeball, but the yeah, distillery like, version. What the fuck am I talking about? Are you kidding? And like one, why? You know what I mean? Right, like they, right, oh, right. they kept their own property. You know? yeah. But this is this is hubris. Like this is young hubris, right? Definitely. This is when my my spurs ain't been bent yet, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but but um, we decided we're gonna build in New Glarus anyways, because New Glarus is a really interesting place. It's it's like themed after like like sweet like it's like a Swiss theme, and so they have this like law that on the main drag everything has to have an a-frame facade <laughs> and so we thought it was really cool because we're norwegians originally and that's actually our a-frame that's the moss mansion up in yeah. shano and actually those trees right there, there sonia? my sonia my granddaddy Dwayne, rest in peace boy rest in peace sonia i miss you girl um but that's where all our maple comes from and that's the house that they built that that's a replica of her house in norway but it was sod in norway 
Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Is that yeah. in Wisconsin? That's up in Wisconsin. That's in Shawano. Yeah. Huh. Shawano County. Shout out to Shawano County. I know you need the love. I'm giving it to you. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, um, but Can't all of our... Shawano uh, response to our DMs. <laughs> all of our... Oh, yeah. yeah. You got the Oneida Reservation hollering back at you. Um, but all of our dextrins come from there. Our, our, you know, So when I'm saying dextrins, I'm talking about the honey that we barrel age, as well as I got my bees up there. And then uh, we have the rights to buy all the syrup from those trees, from my family's trees. And so we do a lot of barrel aging maple syrup there we go and then we also barrel age honey um and then my hives are moving to here thankfully soon so you can yeah. pop that thing open Cameron. you pop that up that's stella you, you take that frisky? with you and that's a favor that i don't need you um, <laughs> <laughs> um so i missed the goat yeah, yeah anyways the goat? Goat? i didn't get yeah. there yet so i'm vindictive I and i was like we're gonna move go down yet. the street i was about to ask you where was i at um <laughs> <laughs> and uh what was i talking about too much fun so uh, uh, we're sitting there, and we're at this mini golf course, and it's me and Travis and my daddy. And this is before Travis left the company, and uh, it's me, Travis, and my daddy sitting there. And Travis looks at me, he goes, "All right, get it, go." And I go, "All right, so this is what we're gonna do. It looks like we're probably in a flood plain, so we need to bring in enough soil to get us out of that flood plain. We need to bring in a second driveway because we need an egress for our exit. We need to fan us around process, so we also need to have grain silos because there wasn't enough space in the building inside. And then my dad's like, "Great." And we're going to level the mini golf course. I go, what the fuck we are? What are you talking about? I was like, that's going to be the tasting room. We'll build a bar out here and a, and a mm. roof to go over and then have heaters out here. Ooh. So in the winter, people can come play putt-putt. And in the summer, we can roll back that. Just kind of what I was thinking was. And people can um, come play putt-putt. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, you know that um, the, we're, the John Barley Corn River North. Yeah. That, that retractable ceiling. American yeah. Junkie had it too, that nightclub. And shout, shout out to Kyle Badgley. I miss you, boy. Um, their <laughs> retractable roof. Uh, American Junkie was one of my inspirations. And we were going to put a retractable roof over the golf course, the, the putt-putt. And so then we could trap heat from the heaters in yeah. the winter and still be outside. It totally Wisconsin thing. People putt-putt so in the winter. So basically you took this idea and implemented it into your rickhouse. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, and then so, um, so that was the plan there. And then as we're standing there outside this golf course having this conversation about how we'd make this uh, a functional distillery, uh, there's a clown. There's like a clown mouth. And a goat comes out of it, and it looks stri- <laughs> so. My daddy is a monster of a man, and this is not hyperbole. He's six eight, probably around two sixty. Um, you know, maybe three hundred. He's a big dude. He was a he was a nose guard at, at Wisconsin University oh, of Madison. Nice, big dude. And so this goat locks eyes with my daddy, and he must think, well, that guy's got food for sure. And he oh, it's a real goat. It's a real goat. I'm telling you, a real goat <laughs> on the putt putt on the putt putt goat. The Bleeding dude that owned them. it. The dude that <laughs> owned the course. Yeah, dude. Like <laughs> the dude that owned the course left him there to keep the grass clipped. Yeah, yeah. And so this thing comes straight up to the fence and and it's looking my dad straight in the eyes like it's gonna like it was looking at him like he was gonna bang my dad. And he <laughs> <laughs> and just and uh it's just and it's and we're trying to ignore it right and of course like i'm sitting there with my i'm in business with my dad you know what i mean and i'm a young dumbass so i'm trying to like be professional and like sound smart and all this stuff so i'm ignoring this goat my dad's ignoring this goat because my dad's like yeah screw this goat and travis is sitting there travis can't even give a straight face he's laughing so hard because it's ridiculous you yeah. know so the goat actually forces its head through the fence and it's like it's it's like the army of the dead, dude. It doesn't stop marching. Even though there's a fence there, it's just it's just trying to walk forward, walk forward. Constant pressure, constant Korean zombie in the ring, constant pressure, right? And uh, and it's just man. Well, then you know we can't ignore it anymore because another one came out, and then another one, and all of a sudden there's these four goats pressed up against the fence, man. And so we're leaving, and now now it's it's hilarious. You know, we start laughing. We get in the car. We're like, this is gonna be great. We're gonna keep the goats. 
We're gonna keep it. <laughs> we we decide to not move to New Glarus to ruin the the Spotted Cow Brewery. Not, not that I ever would have again. Um, I've grown up since then. But we decided not to go to New Glarus. We decided to come to Cambridge, and uh, we call Whiskey City. And so when we came to Whiskey City, uh, the plan was, and this the story gets wilder. The plan was to put Sod on the roof because again we're Norwegians. Like I told you, there's Sod on her yeah, roof. Yeah. My, and, the, and all of this is an homage to my grandmother and my grandfather. And my grandmother died before my grandfather. And so originally it was going to be tips to her here and we were going to put goats on the roof i'm not even shitting you so we get pretty far down this process and this is a prefab building a pre-manufactured building and so we had to get engineering done to support the weights of the goats that we also had to have well then but you also got to realize i mean not just the goats but the sod the sod's living it needs a dirt layer of course the sod yeah i mean it's heavy dude what, what, what you two city slickers coming up here laughing at my sod roof get the fuck out of here i'm from iowa you left okay let's go hunting we'll see how much city you got I've left in you. since i was 11 let's go dude I'd love to go yotes dude you want to go kick some dogs around i'm sorry that sounds really bad and it's a really progressive industry i probably shouldn't talk about coyote honey on here but they are a problem in this actually, they're decimating the grub population actually that is less than what hunting was actually coyote hunting it's you know yeah. i i yotes. i love i love yotes I, I cherish them i celebrate them but Areas where they're overpopulated, I celebrate them as a coat for my wife. There so, um, but uh, anyway, but the sod on the roof, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, y'all didn't. Back to the sod and the ghost. The thing is, y'all didn't know you're walking into the Willy Wonka of whiskey's redneck haven here. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I was I was briefed a little bit. Yeah, Joe gave you the oh, one too, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Joe. Shout out to Joe. Love you, bro. Just text me. <laughs> hey. See, see you later tonight. For probably asked me that cast that. Um, but so the weight of the roof, we had to get special engineering for it. And they reached out to another engineering firm that had done this before. And we got a cease and desist letter from Al Johnson's restaurant, which is a restaurant up by Door County who has goats on the roof. And I'm sitting into my brother is a pharmaceutical patent litigation attorney. And so I took this straight to him. I'm like, stick it up their butt, TJ. And TJ's like, um, so they have precedents, and you're not going to win this case. And I was like, what do you mean? They go, they've sued every business in America that has a goat who has tried to put a goat on the roof, and they've Who's won. Who's trying to put goats on the roof? No one. Well, a couple people have tried it. So Al Johnson, which is a Wisconsin restaurant, they have goats on the roof, and they've, they have, dude, they have protected that right. No, they say it's vital to their trade dress of their restaurant. It's almost like we're talking about a bottle and shelf. It's vital to the trade dress of their restaurant, and they have won multiple lawsuits. Why did they originally put the goats on the roof? <laughs> Similar then, to us. I mean, they're they're Norwegian Swedish dudes why in Wisconsin. Because my grandmother's son. What? I just told you the goat story. Dude, why don't you realize, want goats on the roof? I didn't realize that this this was a thing. Like I, I didn't realize that we've entered into the world of goats I, on the roof. My my, my, my dad's side of the family is all Norwegian. I've heard this uh, dancing. Goat Goat story before. Dude, sod, uh, dude. Yeah. Sod roofs. Dude, you gotta get the goats. I know sod roofs, there. but I just don't get the goats. The goat, well, the <sighs> goat was because of the goats there. We were like, we want to do something with the goats, so we'll put them on the sod roof. Yeah. But they do the same thing. It's not just the sod okay. roof, it's goats on the sod so roof. So you, you can't sue them. Well, no, they sued us. Well, they, they, you, they ceased and desisted yeah, 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 us. They yeah. told us, we're gonna sue you. Yeah. And so unfortunately we had to let that go but we wanted goat to be part of it because now it's just ingrained in us and so at this point in time i've been contacted by a young woman in the uw veterinarian department who's friends with my cousin and she her family has a farm up in in uh montello was it, it, it yeah it was montello 
Shout out to Montella, more this deer than people. Most, this Best is the most deer hunting. Dude, be like, why'd you ask? Out? You don't want to know. Why'd you I ask? I want to know. This is fantastic. I'm just laughing because There's like sustainability aspect. Because we've well. like this has gone we down a completely it. different route. route. Like when, I, you, when you were like, oh, the, the goat came out of the clown's mouth, and then it was like the army, of the Walking <laughs> Dead. That was and then my grandma, and then a restaurant down the road, and then we were going to be in New Glares, but now we're here. You see why I had to make it? Hold on. The goat. So we aren't going to take over New Glarus, but we still have goats on the roof. We wanted to have an homage to the goats, and yeah. so we knew that we want to put the goats on the roof. They told us they were going to sue us, couldn't They're do that. Into your mind. So then this vet lady tag contacts me, and she goes, "I got a family farm." A friend of your cousin. Friends of my cousin, co-student of my cousin, in class together, and she goes, "Well, y- your uncle really invented Ramchata." And it's like, and she was like, yeah. And she goes, well, my family, we only name our goats after alcohol products. And we have one named Ramchata that we're looking to sell. And I heard that, me, Mr. Exuberant, heard this story. And I'm like, they're trying to sell Ramchata. And so I bought Ramchata. (laughs) So I drive up there. (laughs) I drive up there to Montello, Iowa. Or no, Mont- I'm sorry, Montello, Mon- Monticello. To Wisconsin. No, Montello, Wait, Wisconsin. Oh, it's so Mon- Montello, Wisconsin. Yeah, sir. No, it's not <laughs> Iowa. It's Wisconsin. Oh, I, I, I keep thinking that because I love to hunt there. Um, but it's up, up in, in, in this place is Whitetail Haven. I mean, there, there's this is some of the best whitetail hunting in the country. I think I'm getting naked right. now. I'm yeah, hot. take that <laughs> off, dude. Take taps off, bro. Taps off, lads. So, but uh, I'm up there, and I'm and I, I go up there with a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. So I'm like, I don't know how much a goat costs. You know what I mean? And so. I'm sitting there. I got like 400 bucks in my pocket. And this to is like a th- three, four hour drive. <laughs> rum cha. <laughs> <laughs> I've practiced that. That's been sitting out there for a and while. So I get up there and I'm talking with these people and they're looking at me. They're like, boy, you're something. And I'm like, yes, so are you. And so I tell them, I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. How much is the goat? What go? do you want with rum cha? <laughs> I was like, how much is the goat? And they go, we were going to sell it to slaughter. And I was like, what the fuck? I got to have it. And I go, here's the problem. I go, I don't have anywhere to put it right now. So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna buy it. You're gonna keep. You're gonna keep it. You're gonna take care of it. So what would you need to like take care of the goat? And so she goes, well, we need sixty bucks for the goat. <laughs> and I was like, you're I was like, like, whoa. I was like, like go to the bank. And yeah, yeah. Ask for a loan. I need to go to the ATM just one more time. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, like, here's the deal. Okay, I need some time to figure this out. Mm. I'm gonna give you four hundred dollars, and this is to, to 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 feed the goat and take care of it and pay for your time. And I'm gonna come back when I can take the goat. And so I leave, and little did I know that would be the last time I saw Rum oh, <laughs> So I come back to Whiskey City, and I go to the village board, and I talk about how we want to change our the, the plan for the site layout. We need to put goats in the trees. And so this little, <laughs> bit, this little bit of the land we had back here, the idea was I'd bring Rumchata back, and then I, and who is Rumchata was a Nigerian dwarf goat, <laughs> Nigerian dwarf. <laughs> And then we also had, I had some fainting pygmies lined up too. And so these were going to be fainting pygmies. Fainting pygmy goats have a genetic disorder that when you scare them, they, it's a, it's a, it's a mechanism, right? Negative feedback response in their body. And so all of their muscles stiffen and they actually fall over. Yeah. Um, and, and you frighten them. Like there's a YouTube video, uh, where a guy jumps out from behind trees with a mask on and he scares his goats and they fall over, but it's only when they're young, they grow out of it. Okay. And they're okay. Thank people, God. By the way. Um, thank God. Yeah. And so, but the plan was the trees in between our two lots here i was gonna build a pendant on i was gonna build goat like f- forts <laughs> so, so when you turn up to this committee right and you say listen i want to i want to i want to i want to build a pasture i have to buy this facility from my goat rum chata i called it a goat arcade is what i called it 
dude, the looks on this, this dude, this dude, this village president. I want to build a gotery behind the distillery. Village president is looking at me like I just farted. Like he's just like, <laughs> and he he this this arrogant a hole puts his and this is a past village president. So this is the guy's long gone. He, we wrote him out on a rail. That's how it works in the country. Um, but he leans in and he goes, actually, you will not be amending your site plan. Because you are a commercial business, and commercial businesses may not and will not own goats in the confines of the village because that would constitute a petting zoo, which is illegal in Cambridge. So from that day forward, I stopped putting Cambridge on my barrel heads and I changed it to Whiskey City. (laughs) (laughs) And we couldn't, you can ask him, and we, it's been a war. And unfortunately, I've lost that war. They will not amend our right to have. A petting zoo, and so I can't bring the goats. So at this point, did you already have the name Dancing Goat Distillery? Um, at this point in time, we already had the name. Yeah. And where did that name come from? My friend, my friend Mark. Shout out to Mark out in La Jolla. He's the man, and I got stories about Mark for days. But Mark actually sent me a branded leather portfolio with a logo similar to our goat on it. Okay. It said Dancing Goat because he knew that we wanted to do. Uh, something with the goat. Yeah. And he sent to me with a really nice letter congratulating me for getting in business. He goes, your spirit, he knows I love to dance. Like when I, you know, when I was younger, I'd go out and get just wasted and just caught rugs and just covered in it. In Iowa City? No, in Iowa City. Well, yeah. Iowa City, I was always working. I was always oh. working. Oh, so yeah. I just, but, um, and like six days, like I said, 60, 70 hours a week in yeah. bars during my college. But as a young man in his 20s in River North, dude, I was always two-tone in my dress shirt. You know, two-tone, you sweat so much, it's dark blue here, yeah, light blue 100%. here. Yeah, 100%. I like, was that dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cutting shapes. Yeah, cutting. Dude, yeah, I was throwing <laughs> shapes out there, dude. I was cutting rugs. I keep fucking with your levels. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. Oh, great. It's me too. I am fine. Thank you. Oh, fine in so many what? ways. Um, so, so, so he never, knew, you haven't seen Rum Chata since then. <laughs> well, no, here, and here's the thing is I contacted him and I was like, listen, I'm really sorry, but I don't think I can take the goat because I can't have a petting zoo. And she goes, that's okay. We'll sell her to slaughter. And I go, is there any way we could work out a deal where you'll keep Rum Chata uh, until, <laughs> until the end, until life. the bitter end? And she's like, yeah, but you know, it costs about X to key, you know, to take care of the goat. And we're really in the business of selling yeah. goats. We're not in the business of keeping them. And yeah. so I sent them, we agreed on a payment. And unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Ramchada passed away the year before uh, last year. Oh. So you sponsored a goat. I sponsored that goat until the bitter end, my friend. So how did you get dancing goat? Well, dancing. So my friend Mark, anyways, he sent me that leather ped folio with the, the goat icon that, that's similar to the one on our bottle right yeah. now. And it said Dancing Goat Distillery on it. And he said to me, because he knew we wanted to do some of his goats. And he said, you know, you're the, he's seen me dancing. When I got to La Jolla State, at his, one of his houses, and just cutting, just throwing shapes out there. Shout out to you. Shout out to Scotland. Callum. Shout out to Callum, dude. I don't know anyone in Scotland, dude. I have a little Callum here, dude. Shout out, to, shout out to all the people in Scotland I'm about to meet. <laughs> um, no, he should come on a trip with us. He, he sent that to us, just knowing that we wanted to do something related to goats. Yeah. and he just said, "Your energy is dancing. Like that's your mm. energy, that's your passion." And he goes, it, "You spit animals, the goat, kind of, the dancing goat, or rumchata." Later, yeah. later we found out that dancing goat is actually a term that they use related to coffee. When the beans are really strong and caffeinated, it makes the goat dance. Huh. So that's a coffee term, and we actually got sued. <laughs> By Dancing Goat Coffee Company in Georgia, and we actually are forced to put distillery on everything Dancing Goat. We oh, wow. can't just write Dancing Goat; it has to be Dancing Goat Distillery. And uh, so we lost that that battle royale. And I will say this to you guys right now: 
if you end up in the trenches with the dancing goat in Georgia, turn tail and run. You're fucked. You will not win. <laughs> Same with Al Johnson's. They'll take you for all your worth. <laughs> Who knew? And that is how we became the dancing goat. The end. My God. The wow. beginning. The beginning. Oh, we're, we're just starting. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the goat. I this, hope you recorded that. I, I think I got it. Um, this is the most I've laughed left oh, in the last year. 100%. Like more than maybe like the last two years. I thought I was going to pop an aneurysm there. So yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that... Just, there were just goats everywhere. But that's, but that's what we're doing here. I'm we're, so glad that Ramchada was not slaved. No, I slayed. mean... Excuse yeah, me. No, yeah, me too, man. But who knows, dude? I mean, I never... How dare I Didn't follow up. <laughs> how dare I... But here's the thing, dude. The Rick House. So we... Mike... Shout out to Mike Reimer. I did a lot of shout outs today. I'm going to try to stop. I'm nervous. That's why I'm shouting people no. out. No. It's um, good. Mike Reiber wrote into our CSM, which is our plan, that, that we are going to need, and he, part of the thing with the CSM is you can, like, how you're going to designate the, the plot and the land and what you're going to do. And he reserved uses for us in there to have uh, farm livestock. So we can have our goats, I can have my dogs, um, we can beekeep. But so now that we've gone through the, the hurdles of this and dealing with the bureaucracy of the grand village of Cambridge and all of its laws. <laughs> so you're going to finally get the goal. The grand oh, you better believe those Nigerian dwarves are on their way, baby boy. <laughs> as soon as I got my, my Russian bear dogs to protect them, those goats are coming. Wait, what if the Russian bear dogs killed the goats? How dare you talk about Putin's dog like that? That's Put- a good point. Putin's dog would never kill a goat. I, 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 I don't think the dogs will kill the goats. The dogs, these are going to be highly trained dogs that will not kill my goats. I feel like the next time I come here, there's going to be a guy sitting at the gate with a shotgun, too. We, we just got the shotguns in our cars. We don't need to sit at the gate. Oh, there you yeah, go. You see, you see Phantom of the Opera running around, dude. That guy's True. strapped Sean, all day. Yeah, Sean will, be, <laughs> Sean will be over there in 30 seconds. Sniping people. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about the, uh, the security apparatus the over there is... Uh, so where are the goats going to go? The goats, so, so in the, the botanical garden, yeah. in between all the rickhouses. So I, I, I have a lot of bees, uh, a, lot, a lot of hives. I don't keep them myself because I'm not an idiot. Um, but we have a beekeeper, Sean, who's up there at, at Casa Masa. Um, former Wait, Casa Sean's Masa. a beekeeper? No, I'm no, no, different Sean. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah, different, yeah, different Sean. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sean maintains the hives for us, and then I sponsor those hives. And so they're actually Sean's bees, but I sponsor them because I want them to move here. And so right now, they just got finished with almond uh, season out in California. They're going to take a brief jot over to Florida do our buddy a favor for oranges because uh, he had some problems in his uh, orchard that he needed help with and so he needs more bees down there uh, to try to repropagate some things and then they're coming back up and they're actually going to come back to Shawano for one more year because I want to make sure that I have enough food for them here and so in between the ricks uh, the other potential rick houses is going to be we're going to broadcast and broad like broadcast the term like that you guys are doing comes from Farmers, mm-hmm. literally broadcasting seeds. So we're going to broadcast natural prairie flowers, and it's going to be a, a full flush. So it's going to be different blooms throughout the year so that they always have food. I want to make sure they have a lot of food. And these particular variant of bee that we have, they, they pour, they're tiny little guys, and they pour honey, and they love red clover. So there'll be red clover everywhere. Probably have a lot of lavender as well, but all types of wildflowers. And we also want a lot of prairie indigenous native wildflowers as well. Mm. Um, so we're going to use some of them in the distillation process, and we're going to yeah. use some of them just to keep for the, for the bees. But the idea is you can come and you can tour the rickhouses and you can walk the botanical gardens. And inside the gardens, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a couple goats. My dogs will be there. But then the big, what I'm most proud of is the bees. Um, we're trying to work to, to build up to 75 hives, which is that, I don't know if you guys know about beekeeping at all, but that is a, 
humongous amount of work. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of love, care, and attention um, to a very delicate species that we need to protect. Yeah. And like at the end, distilling is a celebration of agriculture, and mm. agriculture doesn't happen without pollination. I know you guys learned that on, on number fifty-eight with Josie Henry talking about hybrid seed corn. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, most things can't pollinate like corn can. You know, wild plants and flowers can't do that. And so bees are a huge part of our ecosystem that we need to protect and that we're losing mm. at an unbelievable rate. Right. Yeah. Um, and so part of the tenets of Dancing Goat is organic grains. And it's not because I think organic grains are the future or the answer. Frankly, it's not. We won't be able to feed the world cooking organically. But sustainable farming is what we want to support. And right now, organic is the only sustainable farming that we can't support. So we're supporting it. Um, but the thing about what we do here in Wisconsin is we don't have the best agricultural land for anything. Like we're not like the corn belt. We're not this, we're not that. So what we've done really well is applying technology to the land to grow whatever we want, hmm. which is one of the reasons why we built here in, in Wisconsin instead of down in, in Illinois that no one wants to do business in Illinois. Yeah. Um, but taxes the, uh, might keep you away, you know, but taxes, bureaucracy. I mean, think about trying to build a Rick house downtown. Yeah, you right. think of it, we, in one of the, your podcasts, you talk about, I mean, I've creeping you guys so hard. Um, one of the, uh, your podcasts, you talk about uh, having to fireproof yeah. the place yeah, and yeah. moving things out of the cellar and things like that. Yep. Um, and it, it's true. You had to do that because it's not safe. Right. The population density just isn't good. You no. Know? And then the tax base. You literally start a neighborhood on fire from the ground up. You know. <laughs> below the ground. I'm going to distill that whole field this year. I'm going to distill that whole field this year until it turns into a solar farm. You know what I mean? That's why right. we came here. Um, that's beautiful and it's in you know wheat rye anything we want we can grow we can get grown here we can grow ourselves yeah. um but the thing about agriculture and commercial agriculture is we're slowly killing our world i mean bt2 dent corn by monsanto cargo whoever these big big box farmers are they sell you the kit right and the kit is the fungicide the herbicide the pesticide all that stuff and basically what you do is you nuke your land to a neutral palate and their corn is designed to do really well there but with, with the agriculture that we're trying to support is natural agriculture. We need a biome in the soil. We need, we need animals working together to fertilize. We need all these types of things to create sustainable agriculture. And yeah, that's and what we're trying to do. They have all these different methods now, like centropic farming and all yeah. that sort of stuff, you know, that, that is part of this permaculture, agriculture circle, if you like. So one of the things that we do at the Dancing Goat, and this, everyone needs to find a place for their stillage, you know. Yeah. And so one of the things that we did is we, part, we have an agrarian named Ron, I'm not going to do a shout-out to Ron, but Ron I was Ron hoping is, you would. Shout-out to Ron. You're Thank the you. man, Thank baby. You. Thank you. <laughs> that one was for you, Ron. That's for you, Ron. Ron Deutsch. Um, Deutsch. So Ron, uh, Ron is a very skilled agrarian, um, similar to, to to Joe's father, Mr. Henry. Hmm. Um, and Mr. Henry Mr. Henry is an agrarian that I have so much respect for. I mean, he's really done amazing things. Henry Farms has been around for so long. Word. Um, but obviously, he's not an option for us because he's working on his own distillery. And so we have Ron Deutsch, who's the man. Um, and Ron takes our stillage well he, it's hard because we've outgrown it's such an efficient process we've outgrown it but um, he takes our stillage he inoculates it with a proprietary blend of bacteria and microorganisms and he actually in ground ferments it and then that fermented mass is pelletized or turned into a spray that's an organic soil amendment and that soil amendment pulls nitrogen out of the air at a rate three to ten times more effective than direct mm. nitrogen application and so we're not adding any more nitrogen and we're not adding more phosphorus which means that we have no phosphorus runoff and so our farms that huh. we and we want if you're farming in wisconsin and you're not making enough money conventionally come and talk to us because we'll pay you for organic grains during your transition process which is three years to help you transition but all of our farmers every single one they have less inputs because they're not buying the fungicide the herbicide the pesticide they just buy the soil amendment they only apply it twice they apply it two times in a year every three years so so it's incredibly wow. efficient 
And, and, then, and these people are making, they're selling a, a higher value product that we pay more money for that grain with less inputs. And they also have to have a farrow part of their field, which means that they farm less land. So less work, less inputs, higher margin. They're making more money dollar over fist and it's better for the environment and it supports what we need. Is that to your here. business plan to approach them with it? Or we were we, we uh, Ron really helps us find those people, okay. Um, but and like I said, I like I, I kind of did a, a cry for help here. We do whenever we get a chance with media to talk about our, our agricultural setup, we need more farmers, we need to feed these stills. We don't have enough, or enough, baby. ANF, ANF, do we do? We really do, man. And, and the, the, the loss of farming, and you know, the problem with farming in this industry now is. America still has farmers, but they're working for corporations yeah. and most of it's foreign entities that own these farms. And eventually none of these farms are going to be owned by, by America's farmers. And that's a shame. Yep. And what we're really trying to support is America's farmers. We want to sell again. Distillation is the ultimate celebration of agriculture. So Ron, Ron Butch is our conduit to the farmers. Yeah. Well, he organizes our farmers. He also organizes our, our he organized our first mill. Yeah. And then and how many, how many farmers are we partnering? With? We have, we consume about 30 organic farms a year. Wow. Yeah. And that's just going up. Yeah. So I grew up in this tiny wee town called Dunfermline in Scotland. And um, it was amazing to me when I moved out to the United States uh, how people rake the leaves. <laughs> right? Because one of the first things that I learned when we were at school was that leaves are, they're, they're meant to lie on the top of soil. They've got all these nutrients in them and blah, 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 blah. So in Scotland, when you go to these beautiful green valleys and, you know, where all these beautiful flowers grow and the Glen and Dunfermline, which is like a public park, basically, n n very, very rarely are the leaves raked. Mm. And then when I got to California, the house that I lived in, the owner of the house had a gardener come in every Monday and the guy was like blowing the leaves off the soil. And I'd said that to my mate that I lived with. I was like, why Why do they do that? They know that the leaves are really, really good for the soil, right? And he was like, nah, nah, it's because it doesn't look as good. And I was just like, man, like that's so that's so fucked up, you know, like that the... the that people in America haven't realized that like those just those things alone are so 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 good for the soil, you know, um, and I, especially with the her the you know the herbicides, the pesticides, all that sort of stuff. It's a, and you say like obviously, and a friend of mine just started a startup in in New York called Beemunity, uh, because he's noticed that well, he, one of the thousands of people that have noticed that the population of bees in the world is absolutely plummeting. Yeah. And that's like catastrophic for for nature, right? So, man, it's good that it's good that you guys you guys have got your finger on the pulse. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's just it's what's important to us. It's how yeah. we want to support agriculture here. We have a problem in Wisconsin, and this it's interesting. Um, uh, ben Benny the Bull God Ben he's our mash master back there. Yeah, yeah. I remember Benny. Yeah. I remember. Ben's the man. So Ben grew up in Monona, which is where I live. Um, and in in Monona, uh, we have to manage our leaves very carefully because they get into the rivers mm. and the lakes. And so once the they're great for the soil, but they're awful for the lakes because I believe it's a, an increase in phosphorus when mm. you have too much leaves and they're degrading. Um, but everywhere else, you notice in America, which is very well manicured and groomed, is it's constantly doing things that are awful for the environment. Yeah, you know what I mean, like the the pesticides the herbicides but also here's one that really gets people like i had some german dudes come through here um and they're farmers they, they they came through ron sent them through here and they they stop and they ask me they go they ask they're like what's with the mulch and i was like what are you talking about and they're like why does everyone put those wood chips everywhere and i go they <laughs> think it looks good and they go those hideous wood chips some are painted red why would they be put anywhere and i was like and i'm looking at these guys i'm like because people think it looks sharp and he goes well let me tell you about sharp and this guy goes on a time i mean he's like 
talking like mad at me <laughs> and he's talking about how like like wood chips alone so the first thing that happens is they get wet and they kind of compress almost like particle board wood right yeah. and then then once they've become like that particle board texture water runs off it doesn't go down into the soil and weeds still grow through it people think oh i won't have to weed because i got mulch you're just lazy and you're not doing it but you, you need to, to weed anyways but also it doesn't allow oxygen into the soil which is vital for plant health and growth and so like this huge trend in america with like wood chipping and mulching which isn't going to stop is actually like counterproductive to what people are trying to do because if you had a healthy yard or a healthy garden etc you know, it would look nice it looks bad because it's not taken care of. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but but that's one of the many things. I know that's stupid. I no, but it's a it shortcut. So it relates a lot to what people are doing in the whiskey industry, too. Ah, uh, yeah, you got that right. And people put wood chips, you know, in all places they shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, you know, you do fast distillations and small barrels to get flavors and put things on the shelf a lot quicker than they need to be. Yeah, you know, I don't like to judge people's... Um, processes I, I because there's a lot of people hmm. that don't have the fortune of what i have here right yeah. um but as it's somebody who does uh as a consultant looks at people's experience then also judges spirit competitions i i judge finished products hmm. and unfortunately often your finished product has a consequence of your process yes and so i don't ever want to talk down to people that that are using short barrels or small barrels. and to be honest cat dude rob castle he got pissed off because people were talking shit about all of his clients using small barrels. And he, he made a double gold spirit on yeah. small barrels. And what he did, but this is the way to do it, too. We have and, one, too. I mean, yeah, it's... You know, if you can step them up... But there's a process that goes into it before it gets to those barrels. That yeah. Makes it so, and even after the fact. You know, intelligent design. And like I said, don't yeah. do the process. Don't do the finished product. If your finished 100%. product sucks, and that's your process, change your process. Yeah. But like, if you're using small barrels, you know, step those up. You let those get some age on them, then blend them, put them in a larger barrel, blend them, put it in a larger barrel. I mean, you right. can grow up a spirit and, and you can have tremendous results with that. You know, there's, there's a million ways to skin this cat, but at the end of the day, dilute your whiskey and smell it for faults and then either redistill that or drink it or throw it out, fill your glass back up and then sip it straight. Or light a fire with it. Light a fire with <laughs> it. Yeah. But, you know, taste your whiskey and be discerning. And just because you made it doesn't mean it's good. We have recycled so many spirits here because it didn't end up you know for instance when we first started we didn't know how to barrel we didn't know i didn't know how to barrel san like in a sanitary fashion that wouldn't have bacterial infection risks you know a lot of my first distillates i so my first two distillates 60 40 week malt both went into limousine oak used casks right so one of them comes out phenomenal really balanced tons of like the finish is just it's all sixes and sevens it's it's it's, it's literally just all great spice good palate activation really soft kind of that that the really soft malt like accentuated by the wheat it's really balanced the other one the lacto infection just just straight up that's it, it there's a bacterial infection in the barrel it's no good i the only reason i've kept it is because, i mean it's not no good i mean all it, everything has nuance right and, mm -hmm. and as a blender that now has a lot of value right but as a single barrel there's none but we didn't blend it off. We've kept it just because it was the second barrel we filled. But at the end of the day, just because you made it doesn't mean it needs to see the light of day. Right. You know, and I think people, and it's a disservice to the industry. It's a disservice to your peers in the industry to put shitty product in a bottle. Taste that. If it tastes like acetone, if it tastes like mineral spirits, it's bad. <laughs> you did a bad job. It doesn't mean you can't do a good one. But, you know, to just put spirits in a bottle to put them on a shelf because you made it, it's yeah. a disservice to all of us. And that gives big boys more business and something me and joe talk about all the time is it's us 
versus them. And us as all of us craft distillers, if we can all make better spirits and we can perpetuate good spirits in the industry, then we can take 1% of Kentucky's business. But if we're sitting here fighting for scraps, well, his sucks. Well, yeah, so does yours. Well, mine sucks less than his. Oh, well, well okay. Then, then, then drink mine. You know, um, if that's the squabbling we're going to do amongst scraps, there's no, there's no money. There's no, there's no perpetuating this industry. We need to make great distillates and we need, and that doesn't mean, 53-gallon barrels, that doesn't mean bourbon, that doesn't mean column stills. Mm -hmm. It means great spirits, whatever those are. Make them great because then we as craft distillers can take 1% of their business. If we take 1% of Kentucky's business, <laughs> you live in the high life, boy. I think it's a great way to cap off the the, the day right there. I was going to say, hour point 40, to one we more. We hour and 45 minutes. One more? Yeah, yeah I was going to point me at one yeah. more. Oh, Heck yeah. Do you so want cords. another whiskey? <laughs> so the three I have left, I have... Corn whiskey, six years old. Uh, it's been finished in a 300-liter Spanish oak. Or I have 95 rye, 5% malt, one year in a toasted 500-liter chestnut punchin. So that's only one year. And then I also have barrel-aged Destor gin at 13 months. This is fucking stellar. Yeah, I'm going to go for yes. the middle one. And then I'll go for the one you didn't the take. Corn whiskey, six-year-old. I love corn whiskey. I love So Ray Same. Furman at MGP. Tremendous distiller. Ray was one of the people that told me uh, originally when we were first trying to, to find what kind of whiskey we wanted to make and buy. Ray literally said to me, he goes, he goes, you check out the corn whiskey? And I was like, no, I didn't. He goes, 100% corn whiskey is the best thing we make at MGP. And if you know Ray, Ray's not the master distiller. I'm not sitting here pretending like he is, but Ray... Ray's a master distiller in my eyes. I love that dude. Um, and he's a real smart dude. He actually gave the keynote address at ADI a couple years ago. Okay. Um, but they have a lot of respect for this distillate. Was that your uh, foray, foray into uh, corn whiskey? Um, I've made some. I've made some mo mostly out of gelatinized corn, flaked corn. How'd that turn out? Uh, I mean, it was all right. I mean, it was shine when I was in college. You know? <laughs> I don't use pre-flaked now. I don't use gelatinized now. I mean, I gelatinize my own corn now, you know, but... So um, did you make this with MGP, or is it something you found there? Which one is that? The corn, six-year? This one was their corn whiskey. Not the, I, I bought it because Ray recommended it. Okay. So this is our source corn whiskey. We made corn whiskey with them, or after. So I went down there once with, and worked with Ray, and then from then we've also bought multiple lots. And then also a lot of our inventory has come along as people have gone out of business or business hasn't worked out exactly as they want. Like COVID, for instance. People are people have flavor extensions that they can't bring out without the on-premise. We went so long, by the way, without mentioning COVID. I just realized that. Thank God. Thank Screw God. it. Screw it. We almost I'm, made it through the whole podcast. I'm sorry. I ruined it. I won't no, no, bring no, it back no, up. But I'm just impressed. We almost, we almost made the whole thing. It's nice it's not to sit there and dwell on it, yeah. which we've done uh, plenty of times. But Brady, man, that was a that was a masterclass, man. Thank you so much, I, and I, guys, thank you, thank you so so much for for like having us here. It just felt great being back in a distillery. Yeah, I, I was so happy just walking around and just chatting business and just chatting like whiskey and people and yeah, it's been really special. I'm eight thousand eight thousand miles away to from my distillery, and I used to go to a distillery every single day for work, and that's the part I miss the most about. Uh, about working for a distillery on site. Even the smells, you know, like the smells yeah. take you back to your first kind of real experiences yeah. with whiskey. And the Rick House is beautiful as well. Thank so, th you for sure. And thank you for letting me roll a couple of barrels. Thanks yeah. for doing work for me, dog. Appreciate, appreciate it. We've already posted the footage. So. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah. Maybe we didn't. But yeah, guys, that was amazing. Thank yeah, this so is, this today was awesome. Thank you. Quick yeah. shout out to my appreciate whole team. It. Everybody here. Um, ben, Mike, Mike, Sean, Bo. Kelly, Patrick, 
and he, the people I didn't mention are doing just as much, if not more, work. Oh yeah. And thank you to everybody that's made it possible for me to talk to you today. And thank you guys for coming. Absolutely, this has been great. Um, buy their whiskey. You're in what 15 states right now? Uh, I think 15, 15 states yeah. with the limousine rye, and we'll, uh, we just bottled our six year, which we'll have a six year age statement. Is available in Chicago? It is available in Chicago. A lot of our audience is in Chicago. You definitely head into the Franklin Room. You can check us out. Uh, oh yeah. We're trying to get into Benny's, and so if you guys could go and request for Benny's, um, we're yeah. trying to get some action in there. Um, Arminetti's, we have a lot of ag- we oh. got a lot of action in the suburbs, like out where I live. Yeah. And then you know, I, again, you're the Redneck Riviera here. We're in the country of of uh, Illinois. We're out there. You just gotta invite some of those guys from Benny's up here, and they'll fall in love immediately. We'd love to have them. Yeah. We'd love to have my, Michael. And my dad know each other pretty well. Okay. Um, but my daddy don't like asking too many favors. Understand. Um, you know, we really want to get there honestly. You know, yeah. so they they would be uh they'd be special it'd be special to have you guys on the rice shelf there. We'd we'd love to be. Yeah, we'd I think it would fit it really well in. Um the bottle's a standout bottle, classic looking shaped bottle. It's a so much of what you've talked about today is a throwback to the past and honoring the past through what you do today and that bottle does represent that too. Thanks. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah, if you can't find Lindsay and Riot, your uh, favorite retailer. Uh, you can find us on, uh, you can order us on reservebar.com. Yeah, oh, Reserve beautiful. Bar. And then Southern Wine and Spirits, thank you for everything you do for us in Illinois. If you're an account and want to give us a shout out, ask your Southern rep. Uh, and come up here and visit the distillery. Come up. We want to have you guys. Um, uh, we didn't really talk about it, but we're opening a gin school, which is going to be crazy. And yeah. You should Google that because there's more information about that. Follow them on Instagram for all the information, I assume. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. At Dancing Goat Distillery. And we, know, we had no, now know why. It's called Dancing Goat. That <laughs> took a while. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this has been top-notch. A- a+. What'd you think of that gin before we get off? I didn't try it. I loved it. Barely <laughs> I, loved it. I don't believe you because you didn't say nothing. Well, I went like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I didn't I see it. Uh, okay, okay. I'll try it. I'll try it How off here. that one? I haven't tried that oh, one Oh, it's tasty. Okay, cool. I'm Where are we going for dinner tonight? We are going to the AC Hotel with Joe Henry. Mm. So, if, ladies, if you're looking for a little bit of loving, <laughs> Bo Love isn't going to put it on you at the IC, baby. Cheers. <laughs> uh, well, guys, once again, thanks for having us. And I can't wait for everybody to listen to this podcast because it's going to be a true, like a, well, Callum said, a master class. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Awesome. For Callum and myself and not for Wilson, cheers. Screw you, Wilson. Oh. You freaking volleyball. Like Whiskey City Edition. Oh, road trip, road trip, road trip.